Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown, the combined weight of 853 pounds, pick a loaf and Dr. Zong. And with me, Dr. Zahn. Hey. Uh, we're bringing to you this week a couple of John Steinbeck stories, uh, Lifeboat from 1944, an Alfred Hitchcock film, and East of Eden from 1955. We will get into those soon. Zom, how are you, sir? I'm doing okay. I have some days off, and mm-hmm. I am just... Just lighten the lives of a lot of young ladies, or not so young ladies, uh, and uh, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, been a, been a week here, you know. I was uh, I was uh, I'm in a new place. I was excited about getting some trick or treaters, and I got fucking two. So. <laughs> Did you buy a lot of candy? I bought a lot of candy. I bought four bags of candy, and I've been eating it and getting fatter as the week goes on. Um, Yeah, I've hardly moved. I've eaten about six pounds of candy. Yeah. Um, Alex, could you, could you, how long will it be before we change your name to Alex Blackwell? (laughs) Crusher. The Crusher. God, I was looking at some old photos of mine on Facebook, and like, I think I'm. Kind of, you know, I need to lose weight now, but fuck, my head was big a couple years ago. I got really big. What's well, like? So. A, it's like how the balance of things go. I'm losing, you're gaining. It's Reed Richards. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's Reed. I think it's the Pym particles, uh, Hank Pym. That if you, if it, th- the world stays in balance, so like when Pym gets smaller, something else, you know, it's like the, it we have to, balances uh, out. We have to maintain that 853 pounds we are billed at. So. That's exactly right. Exactly right. <laughs> if you lose 20, I got to gain 20. So we don't. So go. we're not liars. I have I'm, lost 20. Nice. I think so, I've gained back like 10. So okay. I need to. Well, you got I 10 more to, to go. I need to eat more. So. Yeah. Eat that candy. I'm working on it. Reese's cups and. Did and they? I was going to ask you last week, and I forgot. Did the guy that whatever happened about the guy that. Um, uh, left the the beer or whatever on your stoop. So, um, I saw. Well, this is really bad. I forgot what he looked like. So I've been nervous to st- talk to anybody and say thanks for the beer when I've seen them outside. So <laughs> if I had run across him, he probably thinks I'm a total asshole <laughs> because yeah, I haven't mentioned like, it. What a standoffish I, dick! I, I saw him because I know his car. His car. Um, yeah. Uh, so I saw him like. 
he's doing something inside of his car, but talking to somebody. So I didn't want to interrupt them. So I just walked by and kind of like looked over. So I probably looked like an asshole there too. Did you give him a head nod? No, I didn't. I didn't do the head. <laughs> like not the head nod, but like when you like sup. I, I I probably should. I've I've I think I've made an enemy out of him now. I don't think he's going to talk to me anymore. And I it, it it may have been him. So with the hat on, I kind of recognize him. It but <laughs> you'll go I, up to some guy and be like, "Hey man, thanks for thanks for the uh, gift. I really appreciate it." And the guy will be like. He'll tell his friends, "I don't know what the fuck he's talking about." But Jesus Christ. <laughs> if I just knocked on his door, I could I could solve this whole thing. No, I really don't, don't want to do that, that. Um, because I know he lives right upstairs, and I think it was him the other day, and we shared a moment because he had his little dog outside, <laughs> and assuming it was him because I hear his dog kind of it's still a puppy, but like awkward, not like tiny puppy, but like awkward yeah. like teenage puppy. So you can hear it kind of galloping upstairs sometimes, and this dog was the right size for that, and. Um, so I, you know, I asked the dog's name. I was petting the dog and stuff. So I never. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was. Him. But you spoke. I mean, at least you spoke. You've talked. Uh, to him. We did. I said he's out. Yeah, he said yeah because uh, the dog like hit its head on the stair on the um, the railing to the Ask stairs. Ask him if he around. likes movies, and then if he does, uh, and he has Facebook, add him to GGTMC and Cult of Muscle. <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. That. <laughs> I don't no other groups. It's not worth it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I that was this week. So um, no, but the the beer has still not been mentioned. But by the way, I need I forgot my beer. I need to go get one soon. Did again. you drink it? I've been drinking, but I drink I don't drink a lot. So it's like okay. one beer a week. So I still have like one left of that six pack, and then I had bought a six pack of my own. So I've got like three beers in the fridge right well, now. Uh, how was it? Re- review the beer. Look, give me an honest <laughs> review. Um, it was a black ale. Uh-huh. Um, I, I am pretty okay with, with most beers, lager and, and ales. And I don't like IPAs, which got really popular there for a while. They're too, I don't, I, I tend to go more towards, uh, What's IPAs? I'm, I'm dumb. I don't drink. Uh, the, the, the pale ales that get, got really okay. popular. Um, there, I, 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 I like malty beers better than hoppy beers. And that's like on the far end of spectrum of hoppy. It's like, I don't know. It's a little too bitter. Um, <laughs> I don't I like, like bitter. I like malty beers better, like darks, like stouts and stuff like that. But this was a good balance. This is a, it was a, I don't remember the name of it, but it was a black ale, and I liked it. He, Maybe he I should start drinking, and it'll get rid well. of some of my inhibitions and make me open up and be more um, um, sociable. Uh, I did go out this week. I had a friend invite me out, and I went to a show at the at a, at a local club, and that was. Uh, Definitely a change of pace because I'm not sure I've even seen any live music this year. So, and it was good. A band called Temples. I had a lot of fun. Ah, A buddy of mine I haven't seen in, man, he lives locally and I have, I don't, it might have been over a year since I saw him last. Um, It's good to get out. Yeah. And uh, air air your ass out. I had not, um, I had not heard of the band before. So he kind of, he gave me a ticket for my birthday and, and went and, and listened to, the Royals complete their loss of Game Seven on the way home. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. At least they made it interesting down to the to the final out. Yeah, you know, yeah. That error yeah. there at the end and. Uh. I, yep, I was listening on the radio, so it was, it was a fun series. But anyway, what have you been watching this week? Besides, I don't know if you watched baseball, but. Oh well, let's see. Um, it's very short list. I know I say that every week, but this is very short list. Mine's very short too. 
Um, I watched uh, Yodorovsky's Dune again, of course, because yeah. I, I could watch that probably every day. Um, I watched a documentary called Zapatista from 1999, and it's mm-hmm. about the um, how the uh, NAFTA, the North American Free Trade Agreement, has fucked Mexico and uh, their indigenous person uh, people and um, – and how some of these people are kind of standing up and fighting back, and how the United States, along with the Mexican government, have tried to squash them because they are commie pinkos who are trying to uh, hurt uh, – I was going to say free market capitalism, but since it's uh, not free and it's a fucking rigged system. <laughs> anyway, but it's really good. Um, it is on Amazon um, Prime. I watched also Purge Anarchy again, cause mm-hmm. just because my friends watched it and they hadn't seen it. And I watched uh, X-Men Days of Future Past again, Jennifer Lawrence. It's fun watching it now that I have seen her gaping uh, <laughs> cavities in her hot body. Uh, I almost feel weird about it. But, uh, yeah, uh, Fastbender is so good in that. He's, he steals the show and takes the cake. Um, I watched uh, two nights ago in the theater from 2014, mm. David Ayer, write, written and directed uh, movie Fury, starring Brad Pitt, I Shia really LaBeouf. See that. It is very good, and there were several moments in it that uh, kind of got uh, kind of got me. Nice. Uh, there was a couple of them that got me as far as they made me really pissed. And there were some moments that uh, got me as far as kind of choking me up. And Clint Eastwood's son is in this, which I did not know until I just looked right now. Scott Eastwood. Um, it's real. It's very good. Uh, yeah, it's very intense. I recommend it. Sweet. Last night, I was going to go see Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal on the recommend of Kelly. But I, um, when I got to the theater... Um, I decided to go see John Wick uh, with Keanu Reeves and I um, see that too. Michael Nivquist from Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, and Willem Dafoe is also in this. It is fucking oh Ian Mc, Ian McShane's in it also. It's fucking good. It's badass as hell. And as <laughs> I said on our group, John Wick kills more people than smallpox. Uh, it's <laughs> it's very about, entertaining. Does he kill more people than Ebola though? Dude, this fucker is – he is like death incarnate, which is awesome. Now, By the way, I, apparently yeah. there's somebody that has traveled to Liberia and come to North Carolina and is now being treated right down the street from me. So, <gasps> Oh, my God! <laughs> run away! Run away! Um, I have some views on the whole Ebola thing over here, which are pretty – fucking i don't know i like the the the, uh the one woman uh that came back and they're quarantining her and she says you know i have no symptoms or anything it's a 21 day uh incubation period and so i'm not gonna i don't want to follow this quarantine they're quarantining her and and giving her all kinds of shit but then the doctors nurses and orderlies at the hospital that worked with the guy that actually had Ebola, they just let them come and go and come and go. And, you know, so it's kind of, there's a lot of political grandstanding going on because people want to be able to say, uh, I'm not like Obama. I, I care. I'm trying to protect you and all this. They have to care about something, right? 
if they care about anything, they should be sending people to Liberia to contain the shit that's and you know to uh, Africa to contain it there, and then they wouldn't have to worry about it. But uh, they let it go for so long because people don't care about poor uh, black people. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of political stuff on Amazon, and uh, they have the uh, like a whole shitload of uh, firing line. Which was conservative asshole, but very charismatic conservative asshole uh, William F. Buckley interviewing people, and this is movie related because one of them was um, uh, he interviewed Bob Woodward and Carl Bernstein uh, like during the Watergate uh, when they broke the Watergate thing, right. and they turned that movie or turned that story actually into the movie All the President's Men with Robert Redford and. Uh, Dustin Hoffman, Jason Robards, Hal Holbrook, and a whole shitload of people, which is a fucking great movie. Uh, So I've been watching a lot of that, listening to a lot of Stern on YouTube, and that's about it. I haven't watched a lot of movies. Might go see Nightcrawler either tonight or tomorrow. Nice. Um, Yeah, I didn't watch anything at all last week until, I don't know, when was Halloween? Thursday night, I think I watched some movies, and that's 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 the only movies I watched all week besides the one for the show. And that wasn't even Halloween; it was just I was usually I watch um, Rocky Horror. I didn't even feel like watching that this year. I watched nothing. I watched, you watched um, so many fucking movies, though. I mean, my yeah, God, them. Well, I I I was start, I started the uh, the Gentleman's Guide reviews of Exorcist one, two, and three. I've never seen two and three, but I bought them in big lots a couple years ago. So I watched those. Two is pretty nutty. <laughs> um, yeah, nutty. I, you know, I had to laugh at a few things, but that was one of these movies where, as I'm watching, I'm like, "What the fuck are they thinking? Like, this, this, like, they just totally turned a different direction than what the first movie was." I think that's what most people thought that saw it too, because it was a fucking flop. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is the guy that. Uh, oh, you know what? As I was watching it. I was. Th- it made me think about the movie Zardoz, and is fucking directed by John Borman, the guy that did Zardoz. <laughs> what happened to him? Jesus Christ! Connery um, should have played the devil wearing a red diaper. <laughs> um, this is the guy that did Point Blank. Jesus. Okay. Um, yeah, Exorcist two. Uh, um, but Exorcist yeah. three, uh, or William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist Part Three, or whatever you want to call it. This one was pretty good just because it was so bad. Um, yeah. George C. Scott just yelled the whole time. Like, <laughs> I loved how. <laughs> I loved how yeah, all of a sudden, he would just get super angry and say, and just yell at somebody, slam his fist down. And watching him get uh, in a rotating room was pretty fucking humorous, even if it was a. Watching that, did you see how he could have, like, you know, punched Ava Gardner in the face and beat yeah. Colleen Burst? Yeah. I. I uh, yeah, I don't know if he was method actor. I think he was just that. That was just him, a drunk, fucking raging asshole. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I watched uh, I watched The Intruder. Um, also, a recommendation of Kelly. Um, Sam Raimi had something to do with this one, uh, but it's a it's a, I guess it's a slasher movie, but it takes place in a supermarket. He mentioned it on their Exorcist show. It's something he had seen before. I'd never I'd never seen it before. Um, and uh, it's pretty gory. It was, it was pretty good, um, you know, for an 80s slasher. It's kind of, you know, it's not a great movie, but it's it was fun. 
I liked it quite a bit. So I'd, I'd definitely watch that one again. I'd say of the three, uh, that might be the <laughs> that might be the highlight of the evening. Um, but you know, yeah, that was the end of my horror movies. That was the end of October, and I've yet to watch another movie besides the two for today. So um, I did watch. Oh my god! I did watch a shitload of The Walking Dead. So I'd only seen the first six or so episodes. I'd only watched the first season of Walking Dead, and that was when it was new. So four years ago, um, at the time, uh, when I, I had a, uh, I managed the movie theater then, and my I worked every Sunday and Monday night. Um. And Walking Dead was always on Sundays, and we would show it. So I would never see it, get to see it there. And then it was just like, by that time, um, I don't know. I just, I never, I didn't go back to it. And I got far enough behind where I was just like, ah, fuck, I'm going to have to start over. And I never got around to it. And finally I did, just because I could, I could sit and kind of, you know, with TV, I don't have to pay attention like I do with a movie. You can kind of, you know, if you get on your iPad or something, you're not going to miss a ton. Cause it's, it's a lot more drawn out in a season. Um, but I literally, I watched two and a half seasons of walking dead, uh, like 30 episodes in the, in the past, like four days. It's pretty pathetic. Um, <laughs> I watched the second episode of Constantine, which was definitely better than the first one. Oh, yeah. Um, get, check it out. Yeah. It's, it's on Hulu if you want to watch it. Um, and, uh, I watched the first three episodes of the new flash uh, show and it's pretty corny, but it's all right. I, I'll, I'll I'll stick with that one. Um, I've heard I some think, people say they didn't like it. Uh, you know, I, it's not. It's because it's not like it might. Maybe they don't like it because it's not like dark, broody Batman kind of stuff. It's a you know, it's mm-hmm. a young guy and he's kind of nerdy and um. But I mean, you know, it's it's seems like it feels like a superhero show, and it's I mean, it's on the CW. It's on CW. So it's not like they can be super edgy anyway, but it's yeah. you know, yeah, it's worth watching if you like superhero shit. Um, and that's it. And I've just been reading comics and doing the usual, you know, crying in the shower and sleeping too much, <laughs> masturbating and crying at the same time, pretty much. <laughs> uh, so uh, why don't we take a break and uh, let's do let's come back and. Review Lifeboat. We'll go in chronologically gorilla order. <laughs> we'll be right back. Gurgle. Hey, all you podcast listeners. Here's an update. See here. We know some of that bad brown acid has been going around, but we've got an alternative. See here. Have these headphones here. Throw them on. See here. Movies for your mind. See here. See here podcast. We discuss music-related films once a month. Find us on iTunes or at see here. That's s e e h e a r. dot podbean. dot com. Just relax, listen, and float downstream. See here. Yeah, this one's for the workers who turn night and day by hand and by brain to run your pain. 
Lifeboat, 1944. Uh, Zami, would you care to synopsize? Oh, what's this, a lifeboat? Life. <laughs> 1944. <laughs> what did we watch again? Yeah, several survivors of a torpedo ship find themselves in the same boat with one of the men who sunk it. Me. Me. Um, this is our first. That was first. a short synops. Yeah, you lucked out. Um, what does mine Shinopsis. look like? Oh, shit. I have a C full summary link. Great. Heck, heck, I'm going to read the really heck, long one when we come to it. Um, so Lifeboat 1944. This is uh, our first Alfred Hitchcock movie on the on the show. And um, interesting that we ended up with this one as his first because it doesn't really – I mean some of the, the, the directorial flourishes in it I guess feel like a Hitchcock. But it doesn't – it's not a, his usual fare. Uh, that you'd come to expect. It's not like a psycho or or something like that. So, um, this is uh, adapted from a uh, novella written by John Steinbeck. Now, apparently, I don't know if this was. I've seen a couple different, um, I guess, historical accounts of this. I don't know if he wrote this specifically to be a movie, or if he was writing it to. Um, like he had the idea, and before I think Hitchcock it. asked him to write it. Okay. Or yeah, and and so it's not like one of his one of his grand novels. It's 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 right. pretty much a short story with Hollywood in mind. Um, but I read somewhere else that it was like you know his basically his his publicist or whoever was saying that it might not be like a strong enough story to be a novel, and maybe I don't know. Hey, publicist, you don't know shit. So. <clears throat> Lifeboat is, as you were saying, um, a story of uh, survivors on a lifeboat that are, I mean, that's literally where a, where we enter and where we exit the film is all on um, on this boat. These seven different, I guess it's seven at first, or is it eight at first? Um, the, uh, the, the, number, the number pairs down a bit as it goes on, but, um, and it's kind of... A, 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 an interesting mix. It's a it's a different walks of life type thing with rich and poor and um, uh, even different uh, ethnicities, uh, sexes, everything. And I think Hitchcock's original intention was to have them all be men, but um, we do get a gotta throw of, some puss in there for yeah uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm saying. Um, there's a this, this the film opens with this great. Like it, the whole thing looks to be filmed on a set. I assume it's. I assume so, but yeah, big um, water tank. Yeah the the there's a, the great the intro is really great though because we don't actually see this boat sinking, but we are brought in as the boat is just leaving view. It's you see the the stack the or the um I get the smoke stack or the I don't know what those things are called on a boat, but um, just going under the water and the the water filling in it, steam rising. And a cool, like, panning shot across this, like, you could tell, even with the black and white, you know, print, you could still tell that there was, like, oil slicked across the top of the water. And there's all this random shit just floating, this, you know, like, crates of food and, uh, what was it, Life magazine, some kind of magazines, uh, playing cards. And then this one uh, dead German soldier, like, just floating there. Um, And then we pan up and catch the boat. And it's really interesting um, as we build this, because I, I, I like the way they establish the, um, the, the character of, 
is that Tallulah Bankhead's character? Was she the, yeah. the, the, the reporter, a journalist? Um, she's perfectly dry. She's been sitting in this lifeboat apparently the whole time, still wearing her furs, and she's filming. She's got a little camera, and she's like kind of filming the whole thing, kind of just this really um, just calloused view, just kind of like, oh, this is my best footage ever, you know, like all these people are basically burning or drowning, and she's just filming the whole thing. I'm Not that she can help, but, you know. Um, and she's slowly joined by people that are surviving the wreckage. They have, they have the only boat appear, uh, uh, that appears to have survived the wreck. Um, it has been torpedoed by a, um, a German submarine. Now, what was uh, what, what, what's interesting, and I don't know what what they were called exactly, but it seems like this this ship, and and I seem to remember something in history lessons about this, but. It was a mix of military class individuals and people just on the boat to travel. And I seem to remember something, reading somewhere, that that was kind of a, maybe like a, a military tactic to maybe hide the identity of a boat, saying, oh, this isn't a military ship. No, it doesn't have you know supplies on it. It's just people. Or, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I'd be nervous definitely to... Uh, be taking a trip across the Atlantic in 1944 or whenever this takes place. Um, but regardless, you know, the people start coming aboard. We have the rich guy, um, uh, Ritt, they called him, uh, Ritten, Charles Rittenhouse. We have um, the uh, the wholesome nurse and the, the, the tattooed, like, tough guy, sailor, the mechanic guy. And then they pull up... Um, the last guy, Willie, uh, and it's a great intro. They pull him out of the water, and he's he's he looks exhausted, and he says in German, uh, "He's you know, thank you." And they're like, "Huh? <laughs> what the fuck?" So this this, this boat, yeah, the this boat had fired back on the submarine and sunk in the submarine as well, and this appears to have been the only survivor, perhaps, of this German. U-boat and the guy doesn't um, doesn't he, he only speaks German and um, Connie who the the reporter the uh, the the fur the, the fur laden uh, 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 jewelry wearing fashion reporter who has a t- fucking typewriter on the lifeboat like as if that's a necessity how does she have time to load all this shit onto the lifeboat she carries everything with her apparently but. Um, Gotta be prepared. Yeah, but uh, I like the one guy. Um, I, I wrote down a, fun, a line of his, and I'm trying to remember everybody's name. His he might have been Gus. Yeah, played by William Bendix. He had that definite lingo. Um, he used the term "hip cat" a lot. I mean, he loved to dance. Um, <laughs> he was a hip cat. Yeah, they. He, he, he looked like, like a big kind of a blue collar guy, but he liked to. He to go to out and, uh, cut a rug. He said, I can out jive those hep cats even with a, ba- a bum gam. He has an injured leg. <laughs> he has a oh, bum gam. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and the nurse, you know, she kind of fixes him up, but, you know, his story kind of follows the line of him being injured and that sort of thing and kind of losing his head. And um, it, and it's interesting the, as the as the film progresses, we get this mix of this 
these these personalities the 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 rich guy and the now I've read a couple places that the um the the, the tattooed guy was supposed to be like marxist or something I didn't catch I didn't catch that did you like I said mm-hmm. marxist or real liberal but I didn't get a whole a big sense of that just he was blue collar guy, kind of a working yeah. class guy, but I mean, you know, they I mean, didn't yeah, really push say, I got, it or anything. I got a bit of like a, a, a union feel from him. Yeah. Um, when he was talking about the factory stuff, but not like he I wasn't don't know. a Bolshevik. I mean no. but you know, this was World War Two, so this was before they would really have any uh I would think that a movie made after World War Two when Stalin was in power, when the Red Scare was more prominent at this time i don't think it would be you know as as prominent right but um you know i i like the relationship that he forms with rittenhouse the rich guy and rittenhouse assumes that he's going to be the captain of the boat um i guess just because he's used to being you know the boss uh he's he he owns he's a he's a tycoon of some sort oil or something he owns tons of factories um Connie Constance knows who he is. Uh, nobody else really recognizes him. I don't think. I think they know his name once it's said. But and I was re- that that guy Henry Hull that plays him. I was seeing that he was he was born in uh, eighteen ninety, and this fucking blows my mind to watch these movies. It's like with people, you know, when you watch the Marx Brothers or fucking the Street, yeah. Three Stooges or whatever, born in eighteen ninety five, and she's like, oh Jesus Christ. And then you think, you know, we're watching a movie now that this movie's seventy years old. And it's like, man. Yeah. Um, the Alfred Hitchcock does get his uh, his cameo in a very humorous fashion <laughs> in this one. Uh, did you notice it? Oh yeah, on the paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The diet, yeah. like uh, when before I, and after. I didn't, I didn't notice it. Um, you posted the picture. Yeah. And then I was looking at it, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> it was pretty funny. And yeah, I, think I like he, how he gets himself in there one way or another. And in the he, movie, in um, his movies. he apparently was like really did. A, he really had done some sort of crash diet, and that really was before and after photos of him. Um. So one of the other characters and is a a, a mom who has kind of lost her shit already. Um, this. Well, when the German comes aboard, I guess we could talk about him first. When the German comes aboard, there's that starts the argument of, you know, should we be helping this guy? And it's the whole debate over, you know, prisoner of war. We're human. We're not. We're not just going to kill him. We're not just going to let him die out here. Even though, you know, he's the one that just pretty much was responsible for sinking their boat. Now he claims that he was just a crew member and was following orders. But you know now it's now that they're on the level playing field, um, they have that decision of what to do. And obviously, for the sake of the movie, they can, you know that's he he he's the central the 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 central focus of this film. So they're not gonna they're not just yeah. gonna kill him off initially. So, but you have the the other woman coming in who um, she has a child with her, but that has not survived and and that really sets a grim tone early on because yeah. uh, she's, you know, she doesn't even realize it. I don't know that she realizes at first that her baby's dead. She's just swam, swam up with, um, well, they really inappropriately call him charcoal at first. And they didn't, they only called him that once, but yeah, um, that was pretty distasteful, you know? Yeah. 
Um, and that was he's played by I Canada guess it's the Lee, Times. Uh, who didn't? He I guess died. Steinbeck uh, must have really. He did. Uh, I don't think he. He. Uh, I don't know if I can't remember which one it was. Uh, well, I think it was Steinbeck said that he did not like uh, that they kind of. Yeah, I was how they portrayed a, the, the character for with that you know charcoal and that kind of bullshit. Yeah, I read that. It says there. I, I, there was a, a a letter. It says. Um, I can read it real quick. I've just seen the film Lifeboat, directed by Alfred Hitchcock and billed as written by me. While in many ways the film is excellent, there are one or two complaints I'd like to make. While it is certainly true that I wrote a script for Lifeboat, it is not true that in the script, as in the film, there were any slurs against organized labor, nor was there a stock comedy Negro. On the com- yeah. on the contrary, there was an intelligent and thoughtful seaman who re- knew realistically what he was about. And instead of the usual colored travesty of the half-comic and half-pathetic Negro, there was a Negro of dignity, purpose, and personality. Since this film occurs over my name, it is painful to me that these strange sly ob- – uh, I don't know this word ob- – oblique- obliquities uh, should be ascribed to me. And he actually asked for his name to be off the movie, which obviously didn't happen, but – um, and, Tough look, Steinbeck. When he and he, he said something about that, he thinks he thought that this film would be dangerous to the war effort, and I'm not sure exactly why, but um, because it, you know, ultimately it feels like like a pro, like we can win this war kind of thing. You know, it's like, and I think that was the intention of it is is Hitchcock saying, you know, all of you, all of you liberals and and rich men and and Fancy folk and you know lesser guys, sweetness, whatever. <laughs> you know, all of you guys can get along because we can, and we can beat the Germans. This, this, blah blah blah. And I know that there was a lot of criticism over showing this German as not just being just monster. Um, yeah. Uh, and the, the character of Willie is is pretty interesting. I mean, you get early on that he might not have the best of intentions because he keeps some things hidden. Um, but at the same time, it keeps us guessing what his intentions are. Um, the whole thing is lost at sea. He, you know, he's, he spent all this time on a submarine. So they, they end up voting and decide to, well, go, go his direction. They don't know which way they're headed, which it, I, which you might have to stretch imagination for a little bit because half the people on this boat work on a ship. And if they, after, days and days don't realize they're going in the fucking opposite direction <laughs> that they they yeah. thought they were. They might notice after a while that, oh, wait a minute, shouldn't the sun be on this side? Anyway. Yeah. Um, Rest in the east, that's in the west. Willie, you know, uh, yeah, whatever. But I mean, you know, they have their suspicions. Yeah, but I mean, he, he they definitely have their suspicions through the whole thing, but he keeps he keeps doing these actions that you know, kind of win wins, them over a little bit. Wins them back, there. right? Um, you see him when the when the the baby's actually when you, everybody realizes the baby's dead. He the woman freaks out and she falls and he catches the child. Um, there, that there's a a great a great like shot there with uh, Canada lead in. The lighting was really cool here because it really did look like a sunset, even though this is filmed on a set. I know that they they do the thing where they're playing the like stock footage behind them to show the waves and, and whatever, but they use the sunset footage and it was just lit great because it really looked like they were there. Um, but he's reciting some sort of poem or Bible verse or something. It's kind of a, a funeral. Um, and it carries now, throughout over the, the entire movie. 
other I mean, you had the charcoal thing, and then, I mean, he plays the flute, but I never, I didn't get a feeling through the whole movie that he was like the stereotypical, you know, and I will just, I mean, just to, to give an example where it's like, you know, yes, sir, sir yeah, you know, no, he, like that. And it wasn't like that at all. You he know, wasn't, I, but I think, I think what they, I think maybe, I've never read the, uh, the, the original story, obviously, but. I think the original intention of him was for, to be like a guy that worked on the boat and not just like uh, a servant or whatever he was. Like he 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 wasn't just a guy that you know did shit in the kitchen or whatever. If whatever he really wanted to fuck with people, he should have had him get with uh, Tallulah Bankhead. <laughs> you know that would. I mean, seriously, I think if, now. I, this has been, I think, has been remade several times. Yeah, uh, and if sci-fi movie and stuff like that, um, I would be interested in seeing some of those just to see what they do with it. I'm wondering with the sci-fi one who the who the German is. Like you know, like is it, like, is it, is it an alien? Is it like so it's weird? And you know, I'd have to I'd have to see how that that works. Uh, I, I never realized that it was a. Uh, I never realized I it had been made a, again. But um, that scene with him reading that poem with with uh, I keep saying I'm saying his name candidly. What is what was his name in the movie? Joe Joe. They called him Joe. Um, the other one I think was called uh, Life Pod. Maybe I don't know. Well, they 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 I, I read also that they're remaking it again in like 2015 or something. Or no, maybe that's East of Eden. That's East of Eden. Yeah, East of Eden. Yeah. Um, so, but the you know that that scene with with Joe reading the poem ca- follows over to this scene with the with mom's like empty hands and her you know what en- what ends up happening with her is pretty not uh, it's pretty brutal too and, th- and this movie stays pretty dark I mean it gets they start getting on each other's nerves you know they they they're starting to get a little desperate because they are I mean they're lost at sea they at first they're tried to stay anchored they have the sea anchor which I think is like a parachute of some sort to keep them from drifting too far so they want to stay close to the wreckage for when somebody comes but when they realize when they realize nobody's coming to check out the wreckage they start trying to sail towards Bermuda or so they think but um you know as as time goes on and they're out of water and they're out of food um all the while fucking Willie is just a rowing machine. <laughs> Every, He's like on the juice. Yeah. Everybody is just getting, you know, exhausted looking. Um, even, even Connie's makeup gets a little, uh, <laughs> gets a little ruffled over time, but, um, he just keeps, he's all, he, he's very perky singing. and singing, and... rowing along. Um, lots well, of, they are uh, the superior race, you know, that's true. He looked like it too, didn't he? He was definitely Aryan. He was like fat, <laughs> dark-headed guy. He looked like he liked his bratwurst and. Uh... <laughs> um, lots of lingering shots in the movie, uh, which is a kind of an interesting take to do. With um, you hear conversations happening elsewhere. Um, yeah. I noticed it a lot with with Gus, um, especially when. Uh, we're learning what's happening with his leg and you hear everybody talking about it and you just see him getting hammered slowly, <laughs> slowly getting the, getting the drunk face. Um, but there's a lot of little things I appreciate in it. I like the little handmade cards they play with. Um, I like Ritz, 
uh, cigar stub that he keeps chewing on. It gets shorter and shorter. That thing probably <laughs> was disgusting. If you really chewed on that for like a month, Jesus. He was fucking hungry. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, um, the, well, I don't want to say the, the thing in somebody's pocket. Um, I like the payoff with the bracelet with Connie's bracelet. That was fun. Um, but it's, it's, it's cool that Hitchcock can take this kind of this setting and through their desperation and through their arguments, build tension without like, there's nobody hiding around corners cause there aren't any, there's no like, you know, there's no darkness. It's always just the boat just waving there. And if you watch this movie close enough, if you're like me and get a little motion sick, I, I could see it a couple times. Like, Oh God. Like, I mean, it was really, really bothering. Well, apparently the people that were in the movie got fucking seasick too. Oh, they got God. sick. Uh, they got pneumonia. I can't remember. I mean, they, there, there were some pretty, uh, cause they were in that water tank all the time. And I guess Hitchcock had, uh, some kind of a, a wave machine. He said he didn't want the boat to ever be still, you know, it, and it wasn't. The, and it, Hume it, Cronin almost drowned. He fell off the fucking thing and got stuck under the wave machine and they had to save him, save his ass. Jesus. Um, his, you know, I, I don't know. I was going to say something about his accent. Cause you know, I don't think I'm pretty sure he's just American and, but you know, whatever he did an okay job. It wasn't. What? Which one are you talking about? Hume Cronin. The oh oh oh. Uh, well, he played he? Sparks. He kind of he ends up being yeah. the navigator of the boat. Now, yeah. was he not supposed to be? Was he supposed to be British or something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just assumed he was. <laughs> he was American. No, no, no. He's oh. American in real life, but I mean, he did a he did a British accent or tried oh, to. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> um. did he now um but it's just great even which you'll notice when you watch it there's no there's no like score there's no music in this at all except like at the you know intro and the outro to the movie and that's it um so to build a a a tense setting without music in in films pretty uh it's pretty impressive um what else do you have to add here um, oh, I saw this, I think like, yeah, <laughs> I saw this like last year, I think I had never watched it. And, um, that's why I kind of was like recommended it to, to, for us to check out on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen William Bendix in a bunch of other stuff. He usually kind of plays like the, the big, uh, kind of goofy, big, uh, uh, blue collar kind of a guy yeah. sometimes like you know more of a funny kind of a character or something like that i like when uh, he socked what's his face in the mouth yeah, when he was, <laughs> got a little shit face he started talking about baseball and the first thing i thought i thought about you when uh he was like uh, who's the pirates playing and everything and all, asking all these questions about baseball um but um i thought it was good i like just the the, the concept of it to shoot a movie that is just in the station – or not stationary because it's moving up and down and stuff, but you know, just in this lifeboat, like you said, it's kind of – it's a, it's not like just a small blow-up raft. It's a big wooden boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess they must have made them because uh, they are you know lifeboats for survival. They had like some kind of water tanks and a certain amount of food and stuff stored in them, but they uh, – you know, at first – uh, they had some water and some food, but the one tank had gotten ruptured and this and that. But um, 
it kind of reminded me also of uh, was it Life of Pi? Yes, uh, yep. with, with the tiger, sort of a th- something like that, where you know you have to be really creative and have a good story to to have something just take place on this boat like that. Um, I really liked the uh, the uh, kind of antagonism or relationship between Connie and um, uh, Rittenhouse when she talks about his tattoos and that shit. Oh, uh, Rittenhouse was the rich guy. You mean? Um... Or not Rittenhouse. Um, John? What's his the no. J- Kovac? Yeah, Kovac. Yeah. Because uh, she, she, he's really super blue collar and she's, she's when well, he takes his shirt off and she's busting his nuts about his tattoos. But you know she's doing it, first of all, because she's looking <laughs> at his body. And second of all, because all his tattoos are like initials of girls and shit like that, hearts. And she's like, well, who's this? And, and I like her comments like, you know uh, – well, at least you just have their initials. You don't have their phone number, their social security number, their measurements. Yeah, she makes fun of him for being a billboard for his his uh, conquest or whatever. And it's pretty awesome when she writes on him. That was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and he's and, and you can I like how their relationship develops, and that at the one point where they're just sitting there and and you see their feet, and she starts like rubbing the bottom mm-hmm. of his foot with her foot. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I I kind of I liked um, Willie was perfect for the fucking role. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of well, there was eh, a couple of reveals in it because I started getting to where I was kind of like you know okay this is you you would expect it to be uh, him to be a Nazi asshole and at first that's how they're kind of like that and. Um, Kovacs and some of the guys that are military guys are like, let's throw him overboard, fuck him. And they're like, no, no, like you said, we can't do that. And they kind of show that some of the people are more um, – they give them the, you know, if if we do that, we're no better than them. Yeah, yeah. Kind of a, a story. But um, there were several different reveals that we as the viewer see that – the other people in the boat don't see. And then Gus, who's shit faced because of what happens (laughs) to him, he sees some of this stuff, but he's so out of his head talking loud and stuff like that, that Willie can either, um, uh, calm him down or, uh, the people just think he's just kind of raving or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, I like that, but, there were times when Willie did stuff, even up till the end, whether it was with Gus or the, some some of the things that he did. Um, his rationale was, you know, I, I, he probably. I mean, I know that he had an agenda of his own, obviously. Yeah, yeah. but. Even after what happens to him and they say, you know, about what happened to their motor, you know, it's kind of like even they were kind of after they did what they did that maybe he wasn't completely – I mean he had his agenda for what he did, but they were benefiting from him too. Yes. One person being uh, 
revived and one person being stronger benefited them because that one person could, you know, use his strength and all this net. So you, you kind of, they never fully go 100%, you know, asshole. Nazi, Nazis are evil, right? Yeah. So that, that made it a lot more interesting. They could have easily made it, you know, the other way around. Um, now, yeah, I think I, I was, I also read that Steinbeck's original version of this character was like weak and skinny and yeah. Yeah. Uh, One of the funny things in reading about this movie was reading about uh, Tallulah Bankhead and her her life and how she was. Apparently, she did not. uh, She went commando all the time, and so (laughs) they would be climbing up the tank, um, and people would be behind her or climbing up underneath her. She wouldn't have any britches on, so you could see her her ass and her cooch and everything. And she flashed the. she would flash the crew and everything. She was pretty, pretty open-minded about her sexuality. Um, and they said that a lot of the, some of the people on the cast would complain and Hitchcock said, well, I don't know if I should call a, you know, a seamstress, a, a call wardrobe or whatever, or a hairdresser. Cause I'm, she just had a shag, uh, you know, for a sign of the time, she probably had a shaggy puss. Anyway, <laughs> uh, she was, shaggy she was puss. Freaking, apparently, uh, they, uh, was it, uh, the was is it 101 Dalmatians, Cruella Deville. Yeah, yeah. That's who they based her on. Oh, uh, nice. That's who the character was based on, and she was bisexual. She had like uh, affairs with uh, Billie Holiday and several other people. Which you know, back in that time, you know, Billie Holiday, not only the bi- whole bisexual or lesbian thing, but Billie Holiday also being African American. Yeah. You know, that's it, it, but apparently. Uh, Tallulah Bankhead did not give a fuck and she did what the fuck she wanted to do. They said her, I guess Brando said that um, he worked with her and said, you know, she pretty much, she didn't really, you know, he was a method actor and really into his craft and all this net. And she was pretty much just a movie star who got by on her charisma, which is what he said. She could have been a a great actor. She would have tried, but she just kind of did her shtick. And, um, he said she would have been a lot better. Sexy voice, like that raspy voice. Yeah, he said she would. She would have been a lot better actor if she would have spent more time uh, studying acting and less on her addictions to sex and alcohol. And they said her last, her last two words when she died were uh, codeine and um, bourbon or something. Like that. <laughs> so she was interesting, you know. Um, uh, I like this. I um, Hitchcock. You know, everybody gets used to like Frenzy and Psycho yeah. and movies like that. But he did make um, uh, like Sabotage uh, and a lot of other movies that were not horror or, you know, suspense the, as the far thrillers, as like that yeah. kind of air, genre goes. Um, so he made a lot of other stuff like that. Um, and there's a lot of them that are online right now. Move for free. Move. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was yeah. an interesting concept. I would like to see him remake it uh, modern day, you know, kind of a deal. I think it would be cool. Who would the to, Who would the Nazis be in modern day? Would they Would it Would it still be set in World War Two, or would they could it they make be, it like uh, Somalian pirates or something? No, it would be gays, and <laughs> uh, and, and then the 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 uh, the the rest of the uh, no, they could have like some real conservative asshole be the Nazi, 
uh, or crypto Nazi or whatever. Uh, and then like Rush Limbaugh, he could be the guy. He could be that guy. <laughs> Except you'll never be on his Clooney side. Clooney be on the boat. Bill Maher, Clooney. Uh, let's see who else could they <laughs> Affleck. Have? Affleck. They could have uh, – um, oh, my, yeah, that would be fucking awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. Matt Damon could be up there and uh, Ted Turner. <laughs> Dr. Cornell West could play charcoal. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. He would oh. fucking tear them all up. Anyway, um, good movie. I good movie. It. I liked it too. Um, I, if I had to rate this, um, it was solid for me. Uh Better than I thought it was going to be for some reason. I wasn't going into it with high hopes. I don't know why. Um, but, uh, it, you know, I mean, I, I guess I should have expected a little more being an Alfred Hitchcock movie. I can't really think of any off the top of my head that I dislike of his, you know. So, I mean, I've not seen all of his older stuff. But um, this is right before, I guess, his his boom. Um, I don't know. I don't know what would have come right after this. Um, but I mean, this is, this is definitely one worth checking out. It's different. It's a, it's a different sort of movie for him. Um, for me, it's like a seven out of 10, uh, pretty solid. I, I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I really liked it. I am. Um, does, did, did it seem like, uh, well, I was going to ask you if you thought it felt dated. Did that bother you very much? You know, um, that it was yeah, well, it, it's, because this was made when World War II was still going on. It was still yeah, going on, yeah. Um, I'm curious if it were made 20 years later or so. I'm curious how the character of the Nazi would have changed if – I mean, for the time, it was interesting just to see that this character was um, at times viewed in a, in a, in a maybe – uh, positive light in in ways, but yeah. I'm curious as it went on after we got out of this quote unquote black and white era of World War II if it would have would have changed at all. But yeah. we still have it. Just depends on who makes the movies because I mean yeah. even today you still have movies that are um, <clears throat> whether it's dealing with Al Qaeda or whoever right. that are still pretty fucking black and white. I mean, or like Outpost dealing with Nazi zombies. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty pretty black and white. <laughs> Pretty black. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's take a break and come back and uh, talk about East of Eden. We'll be right back. Hey, this is the ghost of the King of Comics, Jack Kirby. When I'm not haunting Stan Lee, I'm listening to my favorite comic book podcast, Double Page Spread. Each week, Wendy Freeman talks to creators like Cullen Bunn, Mark Wade, Evan Dorkin, and more. She is one cool dame who knows a lot about comics. So when I'm at my drawn board in heaven cranking out fourth world pages, I'm listening to Double Page Spread. Available on iTunes, Libsyn, and the Stitcher Network. He Who was cussing and swearing and taking in vain? The 
That was uh, that was Mike's choice. I'd never I've never heard of this guy before. Uh, I don't even know who sang that. Just say goodbye to John Steinbeck. The first one was El Goro with the Dropkick Murphy song. I forgot to mention. No. Oh. Cool. Um, let's see. East of Eden. Man. So I thought I was going to read the long one. Let me see. let me let me scan this long one really quick. Yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. <coughs> S- synopsis voice. <coughs> Car. <coughs> I almost got it. I almost said Carl initially. Um, <laughs> Carl and well, he said the dude says Carl a lot in Walking Dead, so that name's been in my head a lot. <clears throat> I've been reading the Walking Dead comics this week too. How are they? They're awesome. I I read those when they were new years ago and stopped with about issue fifty or so. So I'm I'm going back, starting over again. So and they're they're quick reads. I already read through like twenty of them. Um. <clears throat> okay. Cal Trask is a particularly unhappy young man. He sees himself as the black sheep of the family and is always competing with his brother Aaron, who seems to be perfect in almost every way. Aaron is also their father's favorite, and Cal desperately wants his father's love and affection. (laughs) Fuck it, I'm not going to finish this. Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, Yeah, Cal discovers his mom's alive and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so, East of Eden, this is directed by... Our buddy, Elia Kazan. Um, we've done a few of his. He was uh, became known for some some other things. Uh, not only did he direct Zom's favorite movie of all time, he also kind of uh, ratted people out with the whole <laughs> communist manhunt. But whatever, what can you do? Squealed like a pig. Um, but yeah, so uh, Zom... This is uh, this is one that you uh, championed, so let's hear what you have to say about well, it. Well, in case you knew, well, I kind of wanted to do, to, to um, explore the um, you know just take a look at James Dean. I mean, he only made three movies, and he was uh, he's a fucking icon um, from three movies. Yeah, yeah, and um, this twenty four. Like I, you know, I watched this and I was like, God, he looks fucking young. He was yeah. young. This was the only movie that he made that was released while he was alive because uh, Giant and uh, Rebel Without a Cause, I guess, were made, but then he died before they came out. So, you know, they talk about – that's one thing with uh, Paul Walker who was, you know, comparing Paul Walker to James Dean is like, you know, as far as acting ability goes, like comparing, I don't know, us to – Gentleman's Guide. So yeah, he was 24 <laughs> and he died and will be remembered forever. Yeah. If I died, you might not even realize it for like a month. And <laughs> well, at least it's seven days. You know, that's probably the longest I could go because I'd be like, "Where the fuck's he in?" Uh. <laughs> but how? It, like, I, I was thought it's kind of morbid, but like, think about it. Like, if if something happened to you or I, you or I are the only communication. Like, I don't talk to your family. You don't know mine. <laughs> Like how would how would we know? I would just be like, well, I guess Zom doesn't want to do the show anymore. (laughs) (laughs) He probably hates me like he does everybody else on the internet now. (laughs) You'll eventually rub me the wrong way. I'm telling. Now, okay, here's the deal, people. I haven't seen this in a long time. 
and I thought, I think I'm going to eat some pumpkin seeds and watch East of Eden for the show this morning. <laughs> now, of course, I rented this fucker uh, on iTunes like a fucking week ago, and of course, I waited till the last minute. So nothing really has changed since I was in grade school, junior high, high school, or college. Um, <laughs> now, James Dean, see, he was really young, see, me, okay? and he was a method actor, yes. and. Uh, <laughs> His method was always sourpuss. Sourpuss and run like a douche. Uh, kind of like uh, – now, uh, <laughs> there were several times where uh, – I took take notes. Let me get my goddamn notebook here. Okay, okay. Get, get the ice cream book. Yeah. And it does look like – it looks like a bowl of ice cream melted on it. It's got this big fucking stain on it that's soaked through all the pages. Um, mm. uh, not a jizz stain. Mm. Is that um, from the? Uh, is that is that also your? Not only your ice cream book, it is it your uh, big butt oil orgy book? <laughs> um, I will say this: <laughs> I watched some good porn this week. Let me just leave it at that. You can check out the group, uh, the couple movies that I watched that were very. Uh, Facebook dot com slash group slash silver and gold. Yeah, there you go. Okay, now. When I started watching this, I hadn't seen it in so long because, I mean, of course, there was a time when VHS first started up and everything, and I was trying to watch, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of classic cinema and stuff, and I was really into Brando, and I wanted to watch everything that he did, and then, of course, you know, James Dean, you know, he only made three movies, but you know, I heard so much about him, so I thought, you know, better watch some James Dean, you know, want to watch James Dean, and um, so this is probably, my God, the first time in 20-some years that I've seen this. Um, Did it hold up for you? Spoiler alert. There were parts of this. Okay, first of all, I thought it was shot really well. Yes. I love the, the way it looks. I love the time period it's set in. Uh, it's 1917 or 1918. It's weird to see World War One era movies right. in color for me. and. Right. Parts of this made me think of um, what's that Brad Pitt movie set in that time? Legends of, Legends the, Fall. of the Legends yeah, of the Fall. It had a, it, exactly. it had a kind of a feeling of that at times. I, I I felt the same way when I was watching this. I for some reason thought of Legends of the Fall. Um, screw the government. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> screw them. Which is my brother-in-law's favorite movie, and he wanted to name their kid Tristan if Ugh. they had a boy. And luckily, they had a girl. <laughs> so anyway. You can, name a, you can still name a girl Tristan. She got lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway. Uh, the movie, for me, one of the reasons I wanted to review it was because of James Dean. Second, Ilya Kazan. And, you know, Steinbeck's a great writer. But I also remembered this movie as being a little more complex than just your everyday movie of that time, that there were some yes. undertones and stuff like that. Now, when you're watching yeah. this, uh, right off the bat uh, – oh, and another uh, – one of the main reasons, it wasn't – what really brought this up more than anything now that I remember – uh, was Joan Van Fleet. I had just watched uh, Gunfight at OK Corral, and she plays uh, in that movie um, Doc Holliday, who was played by Kirk Douglas. She plays his girlfriend, his longtime companion, Kate, and she's really good in that. And I thought, man, you know, 
she's she's pretty awesome. Uh, and I remembered her being in this and playing the character of um, well, she plays Kate in this too. <laughs> so it was really branched out there. Yeah, she branched out with the name, but um. So, I, certainly, the Kate character is definitely an interesting, yes, uh, character for the time that this movie would have been 1955, released. Fifty-five, right? And you have a su- subject. There's there's a, several different stories going on here, all revolving around Cal, who was played by James Dean. But the one that interested me the most, thinking about watching this, was him and Kate. Um, she is an Enigma at the beginning of the movie, which stuck in my head because she's this woman who walks to town every day. Uh, this is, like Loaf said, this is during uh, right before World War One, nineteen eight, eighteen or seventeen. Right, well, it's during World War One. It's right before the America got involved. Before they got involved, but it's yeah, uh, yeah. it takes place in two cities, uh, Monterey and Salinas, California. So. Cal lives in Monterey, and Salinas is, you know, uh, as we would say around here, down just down the road. But it's far enough that he has he he hops a train, uh, and uh, much like uh, hobo style, number one, <laughs> yeah, he he hops a train. Now there was one scene in this that at the very beginning where they showed goddamn Bo. Yeah, goddamn Bo. He's sitting on top of the train, and they do it in front of like a black screen, which looked like shit. But I can understand why they did that because then right after – I thought, man, that looks like shit. But then right after that, they show him sitting on top of the fucking train going down the thing, and you can tell it's him, and it's just natural background and everything. But anyway – so, Maybe they had to reshoot something and yeah, they get the train did. again. And it was kind of a – kind of just that one brief moment is like, you know, man, that's yeah. kind of poor filmmaking right there uh, if they didn't have to do it. But Kate is this uh, enigma of a character. Um, she walks to town uh, every day from uh, her house, and you can see it's like mostly dirt roads. There are a couple of paved roads in town, but where the yeah, cracks so. are in the roads, there's like grass and weeds growing up, you know, in between them and everything. Um, but she wears a veil. She always is completely covered head to toe with a veil, gloves on her hands and everything. And you kind of get a hint at the beginning when she, uh, there's two women, her and this uh, large African-American lady, and they go into the bank like first thing in the morning. And this asshole teller has to make like comments like, boy, uh, looks at looks at their deposit. And he's like, boy, you sure are in the right business or you sure picked the right yeah, business. Another, another great deposit. Like, yeah. Imagine if your teller said that to you. You'd be like, fuck you. Like, yeah. like why are you even looking? But, but I think alone. that one of the things is is you kind of get a um, – you had this in – there was a movie called uh, The Chase with Marlon Brando and uh, Jane Fonda, Robert Redford, and a bunch of people where you kind of have – it shows the dark – or, or – um, um, oh, what's the one called? Uh, Ice Storm and stuff like that, where you have these prim and pro- proper people that are in town, but then there's the under underbelly. They no, One of the reasons the teller probably says that is he probably frequents the establishment at night huh. uncover that Kate runs. 
And the African-American lady is another lady who has a business right across the street, but it's on in the kind of like, I guess it would be what we would call the red light section or whatever of town uh, at this time. And it's accepted. It's legal. You know, the, the, the cops know about it and everything. Uh, and so anyway, she just kind of, you know, like she didn't give a shit, but you see, uh, Cal, this young, young guy. Now I'm, I imagine at the beginning, now this movie was only based on part of the book East of Eden. It's not the entire, yeah, like the last 80 pages. <laughs> right. So, um, which I would like to find out about the rest of it too, really. Um, I know there was, I read about some of the changes that were made just to the, yeah, it covers the parent, like the parent story is in there too. And there's some Chinese character they left out. I would be interested in, in the parent story because that's one of the things that really keeps you interested is you're seeing everything from Cal's perspective. And he thinks that this person in his life is dead. He's been told that they're dead. His brother's been told that they're dead. He has a brother named Aaron. And um, they live with their father out on this out on this ranch. And their father's kind of a holy roller. He's very uh, idealistic. He's an optimist to the point that it's irritating <laughs> for me. And uh, he's uh, he's a Bible thumper. Um, yeah. And that kind of uh, Raymond Massey plays the dad, and he was good in the part, but. And 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 that is what the role called for, but it's very it's definitely from another time. I mean, it comes off as really yeah, yeah. really douchey, really you know, kind of like. Ugh. And I could see where Cal would be like, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> but the funny <laughs> thing there is, you have a a second part of the story. First part is Cal is kind of. I, I guess I would you could say kind of stalking almost this woman, and you don't know who she is, you don't know what her deal is, and uh, it's it's very odd because he's very young. I, I I don't know how old he was supposed to be, but I would say say he's like sixteen or something. Yeah, like sixteen, that. seventeen. And then Aaron is a couple years, maybe a year or two older. Um, like, probably like nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but he has this relationship with his dad now. Aaron is. The the son that kind of is in his dad's eyes kind of has it all together. He's the good kid. He has a girlfriend. He goes along with the with probably the religious stuff and and things like that. And he's a very positive. He's he's his father's son. Now Cal is always always just dying for the approval of his father. But it seems like everything that he does either goes wrong or his father kind of either blows it off in a way. Not that he's mean or anything. His father's very nice, but he'll he doesn't get the reaction that he wants from his father. He wants his father's love so bad, and he can't figure out why. And – um there's a lot of psychological stuff there because I think that Cal reminds the father of his mother. And you don't right. know why what happened. You you're given bits and pieces as Cal uh discovers them himself. Like the whole like, you know, he asks his father, you know, what's you don't see it, 
but Cal has obviously seen it before. The father must have a big scar or some kind of a scar on his shoulder. And he asks him at the dinner table when they have a confrontation, he says, you know, what's the, what's that scar on your shoulder about? And then you pick up these breadcrumbs and it makes it even more interesting because you're like, Jesus Christ, I wonder what the fuck happened. And I still wonder what the fuck happened. You know, yeah, that, that, that really... as far as that goes, I'd like to go back and find out. So maybe I will, you know, pick up the book, but, um, you have a definite Cain and Abel story here. You have Cal and Aaron, yeah. but it's Cain and Abel, kind of a, a story there. And even after not seeing this for a long time when I started watching this, I was like, hey, this is kind of like Cain and Abel. Um, now, you also – there's there's two actors in this that show up that I thought were really good. Uh, one, because I just think he's an interesting person, is Tim Carey. Uh, he is kind of a, the muscle or slash bouncer of this establishment that Kate runs. <laughs> and, and when you – at first, seeing it even through a kid's eyes, seeing it through my eyes probably for the first – I knew when I watched this. Say I was maybe 18 or something like that, and it took me a little bit to figure out what the fuck this place was. When you're younger, you know, I didn't, you know, I was pretty naive and I was kind of like, okay, what the fuck is this? You know, what, what's this place she's <laughs> running? Is it just, cause you just pretty much see it as a, cause since, since this movie was made in 1955, just, just a bar. you pretty much see it as a bar, but there's more to it. And they allude to it that there's more to it. I mean, you know, yeah. So. And like, and the, 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 the red flag, I guess for. The African American lady was the way she was sitting on her porch, laughing at him. Right. Yeah. Like and, and, she had just been to the bank, and then you see her again, and she's just kind of like she's got one leg up on the post, and yeah, just kind of hiked up, reclining there with it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I can imagine <laughs> uh, Dean and Tim Carey on the same movie set. Now I know that they said that Dean uh, intentionally, because he's a method actor, intentionally – and there are two different generations here. You have Raymond Massey who is from the studio system that's been around forever, who's probably you know been with directors uh, that say, okay, you memorize your lines, pick the cup up here, set it down here. Pick the cup up here, set it down here, and say this. Move from here to there, and they tell you everything to do. Whereas <laughs> Dean is a method actor, and there's more freewheeling, getting into the character, and they said he intentionally – antagonized Raymond Massey throughout the whole fucking movie to the point that Raymond Massey hated his guts. And they want, he wanted that to use because then there would be that tension that they really hated each other or that he hated him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas Cal kind of, he seeked the approval of his father and his father's love. And I don't think his father intentionally, um, didn't give that to him, but he constantly – I mean even watching this, I was just like almost wanting to yell at the, at the fucking screen. You, you know, you motherfucker, this is your son. Could you give him – throw him a goddamn bone, you fucking douche? But like uh. I said, it wasn't like he was mean. He was just a – he was just – that's just how he was and how he was raised and everything. And when he yeah, – he, he was fucking just naive and self-centered. Right. I love – well – I know they said that oh. when Cal and Aaron's mother left, that it, uh, I think that one of the other actor I was talking about besides uh, Tim Carey was Burl Ives plays um, the sheriff in the um, 
town that Kate lives in. And he's he's still a big dude, but he's he did, he's not as fat as what he got <laughs> to be later on in his life. And uh, <laughs> and he was an actor and a singer, but um, he um, tells. Uh, no, I don't think it was him. I think it was uh, it was the dad's friend, and I can't remember what his name was. But he tells Cal that once when their mother left, it destroyed their father. He said he walked around, walked around and talked, but he was basically a dead dead person walking. But then oh, and he the got way this, that Kate talks about him later on was just yeah. oh man. He gets he gets this. Uh, well, the way she talks about him later on is exactly how he treats Cal. He's He's uh, the kind of person he's, like you said, not in a mean or malicious way, but he's self-centered. He's all about his, his faith, all about being positive. He, he, he wants, he talks to them like they're kids and he talked to her like she was, like she said, he wanted to act like he was her daddy and everything and tell her what to do, when to do it and be the good little girl. And that's another thing I like about this movie is, is you don't have these black and white unrealistic characters, you know. Even Cal, Cal thinks he even says out loud, which is so sad. Aaron's the good kid, and I'm the bad one. And it's so sad because he's not. He's not a bad kid at all. He's he's, you know, he is a good kid. I mean, it's just his dad is, has put this shit on him. And has yeah, he does some kooky teenager type stuff, right? But, but it's just that's not, but that's what it is. That's not, all it is. And um, yeah, and that's the same way with Kate. There, she's you had the fifties or forties, fifties, thirties, or whatever ideal of what a woman should be. Some guys today still have that thing where they're like, you know, the woman should serve the man. The woman, you know, should be almost like a second class citizen. Uh, be the mother, the wife, and all this and that, but she shouldn't have any lust, any passion. She shouldn't want to go get drunk. She shouldn't want to have fun. She shouldn't want to go dance and have a good time or have stuff that makes her happy. She, you know, It should all be uh, focused on just the dude, you know, not Jeff Richards. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> now, um, so I like that. I like that Cal is – He's very complex. He's a confused kid. He wants to find out who he is. And one way you can find out who you are is, and, you know, in some ways, I mean, you know, most people, you're a product of your parents and your, and your upbringing, your friends and who you're brought up around, your, your relatives and everything. But, but I can't imagine like not even knowing who one of your parents is. And then thinking, you know, why am I different? Why? Because every kid, when they're growing up, I think, you know, has a period of time where they're where they're um, confused, uh, or they feel like they don't belong, or they feel like their parents don't understand them, or especially when you're going through a lot of the changes growing up, you don't have life's lessons, you know. <laughs> Shit, I'm 38 and I'm still going <laughs> yeah, through that. Really. But so anyway, that's one thing about this movie that you really do. I mean, whether you have mom issues, whether you have dad issues or whatever, brother issues. But um, now Aaron, one thing about him 
is he definitely has a fucking head of hair that was pretty pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> I think for for some reason was thinking that this guy was in Cool Hand Luke, but I'm not sure. Yes, he was because I remember there was a guy in Cool Hand Luke on the chain gang there you go. that had this big fucking quaff of hair, and it is the guy that played Aaron. But Cool Hand Luke is probably. <laughs> Yeah, it's like 10 years later. Nice. So anyway, he plays Aaron in this, and he's kind of the straight like, – he's a good guy. I mean, he's not hes not arrogant. He's not mean. He's not a jerk. He's got this ch- plain Jane fucking girlfriend. Now, Julie Harris plays her. And one thing that they said – now, I guess um, Kazan at first wanted he, – he really would have liked to have had Marlon Brando play the part of Cal, but Brando was just a little too old at the time. He was in his – uh, early 30s and there was a, a, an yeah. idea of having Paul Newman play the part too but when they did find James Dean and pick James Dean uh, Kazan even told um, or I mean uh, Steinbeck even told Kazan and vice versa that you know he is Cal this guy is fucking you couldn't That's have cast cool. a better person he's perfect he's young enough he has that like, like I said there were times where he would either be drunk or something like that, and he would run away from like there'd be a fight, and he'd he'd uh, run away or something like that. And the way he'd run away, it was almost like a, how a kid would run. <laughs> and I wrote down like he, he ran, his douchey run away. Um, but um, I like when it didn't. It, I guess if it would have been probably a, a dude, like a a, a man that was bothering Kate or trying to get in their house or whatever, their, their business. And she, the first thing she does, she just sees like this looks out the window and she sees this kid that's following her and she noticed it. And she yells for, uh, I, I don't know if his name was Joe. Was it Joe, Tim Carey? And, uh, and he comes out with know. his greasy hair. It's... Yeah. Joe. And, um, he comes out and, uh, and, and, and it was Joe or John. Or he something. yells over to Cal, and he's like, you know, hey, hey, kid, what are you doing over there? You know, because he, if Tim Carey's fucking awesome, this this guy uh, is one of the most interesting fucking weirdos. Um, I guess he looked his aunt. <laughs> have you have you looked at his fucking IMDb picture? Yes. Ilya Kazan was known to be a, a pacifist. He wasn't about war or anything like that, and he got in a fist fight. He attacked. Tim Carey because they said Tim Carey was such a weirdo and acted it caused so much problems on the set that he actually fought him which is funny <laughs> as hell so that says something about Tim Carey but when he walks over he's got a blackjack in his back pocket which I have one hanging on my bedpost right now by the way <laughs> I don't know why I lost <laughs> one in a girl's apartment one time and and uh, you know that's another story oh, that, that was scary scary <laughs> I, when you said i lost one when you said i lost one in the girls i i no, just no, had a horrific no. like mindset um, for a second <laughs> um this situation ended up with Gabe. me uh in a in some girl's apartment and she was drunk and uh i think we both were standing up in her kitchen with our pants and britches down around our ankles and uh going at it and then like <laughs> Somebody knocked on the fucking door, like about four or five guys that were friends of hers. And I was like, who I knew, but I didn't want them to see that I was there because it wasn't like (laughs) someone that I wanted to, uh, like have somebody know that I was with them. (laughs) 
So I fucking pulled my pants up and fucking left. And she, the last words I remember ever hearing from this girl was, you can't leave. I can't pull my pants. (laughs) So anyway, I I did the walk of shame. And you never talked to her again. I never talked to her again. Um, I walked down the steps past like these probably four or five guys. And they were like, what are you doing here? And I just like, uh, nothing. And got my car and left. So anyway, and then they said later on, I saw, I saw one of my friends the next day or a couple of my friends the next day. And they said, uh, what are you doing? What what were you doing last? I don't know what you're talking about. And they said, Oh, bullshit. So-and-so said they saw you walking down, uh, scary Sherry's steps, scary Sherry, (laughs) scary Sherry steps. And when they finished, she was standing there drunk with her pants pulled down around her ankles. So anyway, (laughs) and my black, and your your black Jack laying on the kitchen counter. Well, I think it fell out of my pocket on the floor. But anyway, so, <laughs> so that neither here nor there. We'll edit that whole thing out. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I'll edit it in post. Let me mark that. Let me mark the <laughs> time. Okay, in. okay, done. <laughs> um, so Tim Carey, he he pretty much at first he's like, you know, what the fuck? But then he sees that he's just a kid, and he kind of just more or less has a he grabs him and shakes him a little bit, but nothing really mean. And he kind of just t- tells a conversation with him because Cal throws a rock at the house. I thought he was going to bust the window out, but it just hits the side of the house. And they're like, "What are you doing throwing stones at the house?" And you know, <laughs> so anyway, I what's wrong with throwing <laughs> stones? Is that okay? Um, so, um. If they remade this, they'd probably have like Channing Tatum play fucking Cal Ugh. and Mark Wall. Yeah. Uh, so um, Kate at first doesn't know who he is. And so that's why she kind of has uh, Joe run him off and and then tells this, this kind of sort of a simple minded girl that works in the bar. Uh, uh, she tells, you know, you see him, you let me know and all this stuff. Kate's tough. She's that's kind of how she was in. Well, actually, she wasn't as she, she there was a couple times where she acted tough in Gunfight at OK Corral. But in this one, she's tough as nails. She reminded like if Mae Young, the wrestler, was when she was really young. If you watch Lipstick and Pine Lane, <laughs> this would be Kate in this one. She's she looked like yeah. she could fucking punch out a dude. You know, she's a bar chick, uh, you know, the, uh, school of hard knocks probably could out drink you and everything like that. Um, and there were some scenes later on with Cal and Kate that I really fucking love when, um, she's walking home, he's hopped a ride on the train to, uh, Salinas and she's walking home on that dirt, uh, road, all dressed up with a veil covered from head to toe. And he's kind of like up on this little hillside and she stops and looks at him, sees him, kind of shakes her head. And he comes down on the road and they kind of – she looks and sees him and then she almost kind of acknowledges him and says, come on. And he starts walking with her. And I thought that was kind of cool because by this time, she's found out who he is. And then when they go back to her room – and she's talking to him. There's little things that she did that I really liked. Like she she takes her veil off and her hat, which has this giant hat pin in it, which is another wrestling thing. Because I guess back in the old days, they'd have these ladies at ringside and they would take their hat pins off and stab the fucking heels in the ass with them, you know, if they hated the hated heel, you know. <laughs> so anyway, um, she takes her hat off and she you, you see her. and She's got this head of like white hair and everything. But – 
she's looking in the mirror and she's talking and Cal's behind her and she's talking to him, but she's looking in the mirror and she kind of does this thing with her hand on her like neck or her throat, you know, cause like how some women, they start getting a little bit, or even men, you get, start, when you get older, you start getting a lo- little bit of loose skin on your neck. And she says something about, you know, yeah, I yeah. used to be, I used to be a real looker. I used to be really beautiful or something like that. Um, I was very beautiful once is what she says. And, um, I just like that. And he's kind of looking at her, uh, just taking her all in, you know, he's finally seeing this woman, uh, after. Yeah. He didn't, he, he didn't know forever. her. I mean, like yeah. he, he did some detective work and I don't know if they ever say there was a guy, in the how, bar. what led him there in the, well, the, the one guy there, I think it was, uh, the sheriff, maybe Burl Ives said something like, uh, it was somebody that, that well when when he went back and asked he, he he asked the sheriff but what what led him there so the movie opens with him stalking her like what led him there initially he he was did they ever cover there that? was a guy that worked on the farm that worked on the dad's ranch or on the dad's farm and he must have worked there when the dad and this woman and and Cal's mother were together and then gotcha. they were spun – the kids were spun this story that she had moved east and moved away and everything, or and that she was dead. Or no, they said that she was dead. She had moved to east and then she died. And yeah. um, But he uh, – this, this guy must have gotten drunk or something like that, and he told the kids. So I think it was one of those deals where everybody knows except the kids. They, they spun a story to their to, – You know, and they didn't want anybody. They they thought it would be embarrassing, and the and it'd be hard for for Cal and Aaron, especially when they were younger. So right. he finds this out. Right. I like when they were talking. I almost wish there would have been more between those two, especially watching it this time, because I I really liked how he looked at her. Um, and there was um, he goes back later because he has a and and. and there's his dad has a business venture that he comes up with that that lights his fire back in his life. He finally he's like he, he not an obsession because he's not like an obsessed guy, but it gives him a purpose that he's going to do this stuff with this lettuce, uh, uh, trying to keep it cool so that they can transport it from one place to another, or vegetables basically, and so they'll be fresh when they transport it from one part of the country to another by, via train. And so uh, this kind of had – there's some problems that happened there. And uh, Cal always wanting his dad's approval, always wanting to find any way he can to help his dad or to, to uh, get his dad's love, decides he's going to help his dad out. And he comes up with this um, business venture – that one of his dad's friends had talked about about the war, that if America gets in, America gets involved in the war, all this food, uh, beans and stuff like that that can be dried, that can be transported and everything are gonna the the market's gonna go up. And Cal is calculating and everything, and he's like, you know, he has a good head on his shoulders for his business and investment, and he's like, okay, and he's a young kid, so. The guy tells him, he says, he says, well, how much money would I need to, to do something like this? And he says $5,000. So I like he goes back to Kate, and she's happy to – she's hard, a hard woman, a hard-hearted woman, a hard woman and everything. But because of who Cal is, it, it touches her 
in a way that I don't even think that she realized because there's two scenes here or two things that happen in this one scene that I really like is um, she says something like, you know, well, what, what are you, you know, uh, what are you doing here now? This and that. And he says something about, I want to borrow some money. And when he says that, it's almost like, kind of like, I don't want to say it hurts her, but I think she's hoping that he's coming to see her. But then when she hears that, then her bullshit detector, her woman of the world thing kicks in. Not in a bad way, but that it takes over for a second. She's like, oh, okay. Uh, but he is just a kid, so you have to take that into account too. And then another thing in that scene was at the at the end of that scene when she is writing him a check – or, or she writes him a note to give to the her, her dad's friend, his dad's friend that's going to go in this business venture with him. Um, she looks up at him, and he's looking at her, and she looks down and looks like like she. It's weird. It's, for me, it was like she couldn't make eye contact with him because when she was talking to him before, and she's facing the mirror or whatever. Or when they're walking down the road, she's looking kind of straight ahead. She'll glance over at him, but she'll look away because I think that there's uh, probably some a li- some a bit of sadness, shame, and it, it hurts her. You know that um, maybe that she didn't do. You know, this is somebody that you know whatever, um, and that to me is acting right there, where it wasn't just all you know just. This and that, and Cal does the same thing too. There's, In what she said, or her, right, yeah. she's acting without talking, and it it gives me emotion. You know, it made right. me feel things. Um, I love the scene um, where Cal and Aaron and the dad are sitting at like the dinner table, and the dad gets pissed off and starts reading. He, but when I say pissed off, again, I'll say it again. He's not an angry man. He doesn't get – he doesn't – he's not a violent man. He's not an angry man. He's a, He shows it through being disapproving or uh, it just right. – I'm very disappointed in you, son, kind of dad, not a, not a I'm going to kick your ass It just dad. cuts fucking Cal to the core. He knows how to push his buttons, and Cal knows how to push his buttons. And he starts reading Bible verses, and then he he says – Maybe Cal should read the next verse or whatever, next few verses. Aaron tries to kind of be the mediator and says, I'll do it. And he goes, no, let Cal. Cal, when Cal starts reading those verses and he reads the number of each verse and his dad says, you don't have to read the number. (laughs) And then the next time when he goes to the next verse, he stops, he looks up at his dad, and then he reads the number again. And the dad every time just gets a little bit more man. I, you know, it, that was awesome because he was pushing his fucking buttons, you know, so much. Um, I really, I know they said that uh, one flaw of the movie was casting Julie Harris as Abra, who is Aaron's girlfriend, because apparently she was probably at this time maybe like close to thirty. Uh, that I, I didn't notice it at much. Cause what, a, what a weird name, Abra, yeah. too. I thought that Aaron was supposed to be a little bit older, and she was a little bit older. But I think that her character was supposed to be, you know, in like maybe eighteen or nineteen or something. Probably like, well, probably like 
eight, 17 or 18. I would say Cal, if Cal's like 16, uh, Aaron's probably 18 and maybe she's in between. Um, she, she wasn't bad. I just thought that she was at points was sappy, goody, goody to the point that I was like, fuck a duck. Now when she was in, when they were in the, uh, the ice thing <laughs> and her and Aaron were kind of laying on the sawdust or hay or whatever. And Cal's up in the thing, like watching them. I wonder in the book if they weren't doing more than just what they were doing. Cause she's like, Oh, I feel like he's watching. Yeah, he was being kind of a creep doing the. He was like peeping, peeking behind, peeking behind or between those. Yeah, yeah. But I wonder if they weren't like doing a little bit more, and he was kind of like up there, kind of being, you know, a, a peeper. But it, she wasn't that bad. Like I said, with, with her and with the dad, they they just were had that goody two shoes thing to the point it was kind of like. Ugh. But then. Um, but then she becomes kind of like a cock tease. <laughs> so maybe she wasn't as good. You know, she was like one of those Christian <laughs> girls that like uh, probably like scary Sherry. <laughs> I don't think she was a Christian girl. She was a fucking drug addict. <laughs> what? Anyway. <laughs> what? No, uh, so anyway, um, they throw in some – this is a very complex movie. Like I said, you have a relationship with Kate and uh, Cal – relationship between Cal and the dad, Cal and Aaron, Cal and Abra. Um, and then you throw in the World War One stuff where it takes place over a certain period of time because at one point they're talking about getting in the war and everybody gets gung-ho with their jingoism, just like, I mean, all the times everybody goes to war. One of the quotes that I loved in this movie was um, – um, Cal says to his dad's friend that he's going into business with, he asks him, he says, war's, war's good for business. And the guy goes, the best there is. And it made me want to fucking vomit because, um, it's like the general <laughs> Smedley Butler book, uh, war is a racket. You know, the guy was two time medal of honor winner, the most decorated soldier, world war one. And he writes a book called war is a racket, basically saying when he was in the military, all he ever was, was a paid thug uh, for United States business. Every war was that he was ever in was defending business interests or taking over uh, countries so that the U.S. could have the, these business or cores or, or uh, uh, assets or whatever, natural right, resources. Right. So anyway, that's kind of what this is. And because you have – Aaron is a pacifist. His dad's pretty much a pacifist and a and you know a thinking man. Uh, he's a man of God, and whatever you think of that, he still is. He's he's a he's a judgmental prick in some ways, but he's also he's not about war and stuff <laughs> like that. Whereas Cal is like fucking a war profiteer, you know. Basically, I mean, not basically. That's what he is. This is Halliburton before Halliburton, right. you know. And uh, yeah, I don't. And Cal doesn't seem like the kind of. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to say that he's slow or anything, but he doesn't seem like he's. He even considers that uh, as a as a thing. Like I don't think that he puts those. He doesn't. Together. He's only doing it for one reason, and that's the approval of Daddy. But. Um, yeah, yeah. And help the, his dad out, but his dad's friend 
who is like, you know, yeah, war is the greatest thing for business. It's awesome. You know, what a fucking piece of shit. And I like that they show when they had the parade and everything and everybody's like, yeah, we'll wipe those, those, uh, the Hun, you know, they called him the Hun back then instead of the Nazis, whether there weren't Nazis as a party, but I mean, they were the Hun, you know, we'll lick those Germans and just a couple of days and we'll be back. And then over a period, they, they go to a, you know, it, it moves ahead in time and all these people are like, fuck, you know, my son got killed, uh, because World War One was a fucking slaughterhouse. It was a meat grinder. It was the first war. It's like I said, Dan Carlin's uh, uh, Hardcore History podcast. He has like four or five whole shows that are like five or six hours long about, uh, you know, modern warfare started with World War One. Machine guns, uh, chemical weapons, mustard gas, uh, trench warfare, and hundreds of thousands of people getting killed in one bat in in one battle you know where they just it was a slaughter it was a meat grinder and you see that affecting the people at home and they have some of the um xenophobia uh uh with the local ger- people that are german and you had that in lifeboat where um smith uh, says I changed my name. He tells the people on the lifeboat. He says I changed my name from my name was Schmidt, but I changed it to Smith because of the war. Oh right. And right. the same thing in this movie. This guy that owns a store in in Monterey, Monterey, because I One Eye Jacks was took place in Monterey too, and uh, I, the, the one of the um, Hispanic uh, actresses in that movie said Monterey, and. Uh, so when uh, this guy lives in Monterrey and um, he's known these people all his life, he owns like a general store or whatever in town, and everything, and they're all, and these people are just like fucking German piece of shit, you know, and everything. He's like trying to start fights with him. It's like God damn, dude. He's like, hey, through the very, oh, that's Swedish. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so you have that thrown in there too. <laughs> Screw so the food. Hey, I'm not the German. <laughs> So you have a lot of that shit too. Um, <laughs> Cal kind of wants to knock the rose color glasses off of some of these people in his life. His dad, uh, Aaron. Uh, they they almost live in they 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 are optimists, and I don't want to say that um, uh, Cal is a, he's not not a pessimist. He's a realist. And uh, um, they're walking around like these, almost like they're like fucking uh, Mormons or or uh, Mennonites or whatever, and that they live in this peaceful world. And and he's like, you know, he takes Aaron almost by the scruff of the neck to this place and 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 just basically throws him in this room with this other person and slams the door so he can't get out. And it's like. Deal with this motherfucker. This is reality, you know. So even though he is the most, at the beginning, you think he's you know this confused kid, and and he is, and he's stirred up, and he's just you know he's he's put, being torn in all these directions and seeking approval from this person, that person, seeking his identity. In reality, he ends up almost being like this other person in his life that he didn't even know, he felt that he was probably more like this person, but 
also he ends up being more like them. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting how they split apart yeah. like that. Like the two two of them went one way, and right? Two the because other. he, like they are, uh, they're more in the real world. They're more how life really is, and not naive. Whereas the dad and Aaron are more, from my perspective, you know, just more of a naive people not i mean they're good people though i mean you can't say that that they're hor- they're not bad uh, i guess everybody if you're a parent i'm not a parent but you know i know that everybody that's a parent's a parent for the first time and and all your kids are different and you know it's just the way it is but i like that complexity to this movie that's one of the reasons i wanted to kind of look at it now on but saying that, mm-hmm. when I watched it, there are things in this, and it's because I know it's because it was made in 1955. Okay, uh, it's a different time, and you have yeah. to take that into account. There are some things with Raymond Massey, uh, who plays the father, and also with that uh, Abra, played by Julie Harris, who is Aaron's girlfriend. That are so sappy and so melodramatic. Uh, it's, it's a lot of the stuff with her and Cal and Aaron felt a lot like melodrama. And yeah, I think if they remade, and I know they remade this, it was a, it was a miniseries, I think, uh, which probably ha- I, I remember when it was yes. on, but I didn't. I don't remember if I watched it or not. But I would think if it was a complete miniseries, they probably they might have covered more. Than just what they covered in this movie, but that melodrama stuff, it kind of took away from the movie for me. But then you throw in some of the shit with the dad and with her that I don't want, know if I want to say it doesn't taint their character. It makes it more interesting. But they still like she's like, oh Cal, you know he's the bad boy. And Aaron's the good guy, but she tries, she's being torn, <laughs> pulled this one way, but then she, you know, it just, I was like, f- fuck off. I mean, because there's one Hispanic girl there that Cal must get some girls because she's always teasing him that he has girls chasing him around. There's one Hispanic girl that he just kind of shoes away <laughs> when he's eating his lunch. He's like, you go over there because she's coming, but she was better looking than this fucking plain Jane douche. And, um, and then, uh, there was another one at the carnival <laughs> that, you know, I'd have, I like when he just blows them off. But when, she, when this fucking bitch is around, but I think it's just one of those familiarity things. I've had that t- happen myself where when you're around somebody and they're with somebody else and you start flirting and you build this thing up and, and, and your fucking hormones talk about rose colored glasses. You see that person and you're like, Oh my God, Oh, and then, you know, after the fact, and you go back and you look and you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? She wasn't even that great. <laughs> but anyway, what do you, th- what did you think of this? I'm rambling <laughs> on, but what did you think of this movie? I mean, some of, some of your stuff. Um, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat you are in that the, the, the relationship stuff in it, in regards to Cal, Aaron and Abra, which I think Abra is a horrible yep. name, but, um, it was a I, 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 I wasn't a fan of that. It would have been um, better if yeah, if, uh, yeah. But she could have been with him and been the been with Aaron and been the good girl, and then 
but she was like sucking Cal's dick or, you know, she was, real, she, he, you know, <laughs> but, but she was just such a, such a fucking. They didn't do that in the fifties. Yeah. Well, the, apparently they did, but they did it on the other side of town. Um, <laughs> oh, right. I wonder how, you, had to, you had to ride on the roof of a train to get I there. How old, um, Cause I, I think that Joan Van Fleet, she was born in 1914. And I think, I mean, they definitely made her try and tried to make her look older. She wasn't as old. She was born in 1914. Yeah, she did. She looked older than. 40. And Raymond Massey was. Oh fuck! He because he he looked a lot older than her. They gave her white hair and stuff, but I don't think she was as old. When was she born? 1914. Or no? I think they make up. I think they put some makeup wrinkles on her forehead yeah. too. And Dean was born in thirty one, so but, she um, was she was about you know, I she what well I guess if she was really young, she was old enough to be, whatever I don't want to say but go ahead, go ahead I'm interrupting. Well the um the the I I did not like the stuff with the three of them but I like what happen what ends up happening with his brother. Um, I like the dark turn that it yeah. takes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was it was pretty. When he was the brother was what? on the train, leaving, and he does that. <laughs> Wasn't that awesome? Like, Jesus Christ! He could have been an ECW. <laughs> it's a fucking kook all of a sudden, like cackling. <laughs> loose. And, Jesus, um, but uh, yeah, uh, that was I, I liked that scene. But um, when you know when it starts, there's a there's a there's a parallel with the two of them. At different times, um, you can see now. Aaron is obviously more like his father, which which is which is an interesting take to have with him going that direction, and and um, uh, uh, Cal being more like his mother. But the you still see like some behaviors and stuff in them that are kind of they parallel each other. Like uh, well, like with the at the parade. When he when when Aaron was like peeking behind the tree, yeah. and it looked like uh, Cal earlier yeah. in the movie peeking between the ice. Um, and, Stay away uh, from my pussy. And you know, and later on, Aaron starts being, yeah, exactly. And Aaron starts being like, you know, he starts doing the douchey runaway and the the, the getting into okay, fights. Okay, Joan Fleet acting, was, you know, she was forty-one <laughs> when this movie was made. She is eighteen years younger than. Mass, Raymond Massey, the dad, and she's 17 years older uh, than James Dean. So it works. But I mean, and 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 it, and it works okay, even okay. better it because uh, if Massey was 20 years older, you could see why she was kind of like okay. At first, she met him; he was probably a richer guy, and then when he started getting older, and she's 20 years younger, and she wants to sow her wild oats, blah 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 blah, and doesn't want to be with this old fucking. Stuffy yeah. Bible douchebag who wants to spank her ass with his Bible. That'd be kind of awesome to be in a porno. <laughs> I have to make one of those one of these days. The um, <laughs> I do, but I, I you know I do like I do like the transformation of Cal. Um, he kind of goes up and down with how he behaves. Um, you know, when the movie starts, there's no context at all, and you really think he's a fucking kook because he's stalking this lady. Um, and when you said douchey run, it made me laugh because my note is says, uh, following the bitchy lady, uh, 
confront, confronted about uh, stalking her throw, after throwing a stone, says he hates her, and then runs off and cries on top yeah. of a train. <laughs> Does she run? It literally <laughs> runs. <so. laughs> but I guess I'd probably be a little... I'd probably be kooky too, or kookier too, if my dad fucking sat me down to read Bible verses every time I did something yeah. stupid. So. Or if I went to one of those houses and but, ended up um, uh, in a room with my mom. Oh, oh no! <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's there's something that um, there's something interesting that uh, that Kazan does with the, some of the shots in this that it, I noticed it early on. Um, whenever it's usually, I don't know. I, I didn't notice it any other time. I noticed it whenever Cal had heated moments with his dad in some way, the Bible scene at the beginning. And then later on, uh, during the dad's birthday party, the camera is, is crooked. Yeah. They had the Dutch angle. And, shit. I noticed that too. Uh, like the bat. Yeah. And it was like, at first I was like, something about this feels weird. Like I didn't notice the, cause there's always something level in the back. It's, it's usually inside. Um, they must've done it some other place too, but, uh, it's, it's, it was like, when I looked at it at first, it was like kind of disorienting yeah. a little bit. And you know, it adds, it adds a certain strange feeling to their conversation. You know, it's like they, they're, they're not on the same level, I guess, if you want to be cliche about it. Did you ever have to read it, but, Bible verses at the uh, Um, no, no, we 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 were not a Bible going family. <laughs> um, what about like Hustler Four? Did the, you ever read that Penthouse Forum at the table? I I I found um yeah that was well I found the Penthouse with Vanessa Williams yeah. that was my earliest That's exposure. Awesome. I did find that one in a drawer downstairs, and for the longest my my dad had a Playboy calendar, and um but he hung it in the garage like out in the open. And I would, there was this kid, Chris, up the street, and we would sneak into the garage sometimes when we were outside playing. And I would like turn up to like Miss December and we'd laugh and run out of the garage. Well, what's weird is, I always thought it was but, weird um, that in, in a garage, whether it's like a garage you're going to to get your car fixed or whatever, that it's, it's acceptable to just have porn hanging on the fucking wall of a business. What do you think of this? <laughs> and it's got like, uh, like. He didn't do it for long. He, he must have. They must they must have realized that that I, we were looking at it because he didn't really hang one after that. He was probably that, so testing you to see if you were gay. <laughs> it didn't work. He still doesn't know. Um, <laughs> Did he hang up a, a Tom Selleck poster uh, too? Uh, my, it's funny. My, the, my mom had a um, like this little curio shelf. And it had a um, uh, this. It was one of the, you know, like a miniature shelf, and she had these little tiny. You know, she put like um, uh, what are the thing the things you protect your thumb with when you knit? Yeah. And stuff. She had little things like that, but there were one of the miniatures was it looked like a tiny little uh, Cabbage Patch Kid sitting on top of a Playgirl magazine, and in, in the spread was open to um, the. It was the Burt Reynolds picture of him. Like went laying there naked, yeah. I think on the on the bearskin rug, like but it had been like altered, so it was actually like dong hanging. <laughs> <laughs> well, what'd you think of that? <laughs> so, um, the what's that? So what'd you think of that? <laughs> you and your friend went and looked at it. I, and were like, God it damn! Was, it was. 
<laughs> I showed it to I Chris. Yeah, I was like, what do you think? This or this? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the 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 wholesome girl says at one point she threw she threw a three thousand dollar ring into the river, and I did some math or that went online, and that would be about a seventy thousand dollar ring today. Yeah, so ass. fuck her. <laughs> um, yeah, and um, the I, I laughed too when uh, the townspeople started tearing up that German guy's yard. And the sheriff fucking like no cells. I get Burl Ives no cells. A punch right to the fa- right to the face, and everyone just stops and like silently stares. He, and there's one dude in the background with like he's holding an entire fence in his hand. He must the, the sheriff must the have sheriff had a reputation smiling. because as soon as he showed up and they saw him, they all chilled the fuck out. <laughs> he was probably like known for like just beating yeah, the fucking yeah. shit out of people. Yeah. And that's really about it. There's a quote later on that says some, somebody says it's awful not to be loved. It makes you mean and violent and cruel. And it's a little obvious, and that's kind of the melodrama part yeah. of it. Um, so, yeah, for me, too, there's there's parts that work really well, and there's parts that are kind of like, okay, okay, 1950s, sure. Okay. Is this Mayberry or what? Mm. Let's get into our ratings. I give yeah. this probably – it's hard because there were some of it that I was just like, Ugh, God, it was, it was, I wouldn't say it's hard to watch. It was just kind of like, meh. um, probably, and it's a fucking classic, but I have to go with what I feel. Yeah. Probably like a 7.5. I give it a 7.5 yeah. too. It's, 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 it's solid. It's got some very interesting, um, directorial choices james dean is the reason to watch it for me um but uh some of the other stuff kind of weighs it down so but it still ends up being a pretty good movie i just realized um on the technical hiccup we had before i didn't ask for your rating on lifeboat lifeboat (sighs) i think i give that one an 8.5 i like that one there you go. Cool. Cool. All right. Double seven point five here. Let's uh let's take a break again and come back and do a tiny little bit of feed sack and I think you had some questions this week, right? Yeah. Got some questions. We will be we'll be right back. No one would have believed in the first years of the twenty first century that hammer films were being watched. From an entertainment standpoint, no one could have dreamed that amicus films were being scrutinized as someone with a microscope studies creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. Few men even considered the possibility that this area of film still had anything to offer. And yet, across the gulf of space, minds immeasurably superior to our own regarded this podcast with envious eyes. And slowly and surely, they drew their plans against it. The Hamacus Podcast. Hammer and Amicus, and every tenuous link in between. Hamacus.com and iTunes. Cheers.
Those lyrics are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Justin picked that song not knowing that we were doing a James Dean movie. Really? Yeah. He... He was. He made the connection since we were doing. All he, all he knew was John Steinbeck, and he's like, "Oh, James Dean was in East of Eden, so let's give him a James Dean song." All right, uh, feed sack time. Um, we got one. Guess I should have downloaded it first. Huh? So uh, it's it's from Armin. Um, and Armin says I could, he had a little note ahead of it. Um, I need to pause the music. James Dean! Mm-hmm. James Dean! Um, hi guys, sorry for rambling on way too long in this one. <laughs> Speaking of Justin, uh, we'll try, what? <laughs> we'll try to focus myself the next time. The song in the beginning is from the soundtrack of the new, uh, Adam Wingard movie, The Guest. CDR from The Cult of Muscle. Open, or posted a link for it and hooked me immediately. He'll have to see it ASAP. I've never, I don't know this movie, so the guest. All right, time for Armin's apparently overlong feed sack. Here we go. Can you hear it? Okay. Yeah. song too much. Hey guys, just a quick feedback tonight. I'm really dead tired and rocked like a dog today. Really enjoyed your last episode. <laughs> it was uh, great to uh, listen to the combination of Predator and... Um, was the other one called Split Second with Rutger Hauer and I really I was amazed and uh, happy about uh, Zom's positive feedback about the movie <laughs> uh, personally I uh, really like it a lot although it's uh, obviously cheap but it has a lot of heart and soul and uh, Hauer really elevates the stuff uh, immensely uh, just had to find a proper DVD which I wasn't able to find yet um, yeah I watched a couple of movies last week it was actually not too bad um, started with uh, The Devil's Whore with uh, Andrea Riseborough and uh, Michael Fassbender, Fassbender. early Michael Fassbender. It's a period pa- piece about uh, yeah, basically the last uh, month of, uh, I think it's King James I, who was uh, finally overthrown by the parliament and beheaded. And um, yeah, basically it's a TV production, miniseries kind of stuff. Uh, was bored a bit, but uh, still, yeah. <coughs> Decently done stuff, I guess, but uh, yeah, kind of, kind of lengthy. Um, then I switched gears and uh, yeah, tried something really popcorny, funny, fluffy. Forty-seven Ronin with uh, Keanu Reeves, which obviously was really not for me. So I <laughs> really found it <laughs> quite ridiculous, uh, and I really dropped out when uh, watching the CGI fox uh, with the. Two different eye colors really looked just terrible. And uh, (laughs) although I'm a big uh, fan of Keanu, although all his uh, criticisms, I really like the guy a lot, but this was (laughs) not for me. And uh, had to uh, basically wash my mouth after that with uh, watching uh, 
Shishinin no Samurai from Akira Kurosawa. So the Seven Samurai, which of course is an all-time classic and uh, I've never heard of that amazing movie. Uh, but I found out I just have the 150-minute uh, version brought out over here and uh, have to order now the BFI version, which comes uh, with a really um, yeah amazing 207 minutes. But I have to get this on Blu-ray and have to watch it again. Um, yeah, then I had a revelation, and uh, basically uh, in, in two aspects, I, I watched finally Pain and Gain with uh, uh, my least favorite actor, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> so that, that was, I think, maybe the first movie I really liked him in, and uh, also a Michael Bay movie, which uh, was a little bit uh, not full uh, pedal to the metal, but really was a little bit... Uh, not laid back exactly, but uh, not full throttle, but still amazing, still interesting. And uh, and really, of course, the rock stole the show as uh, Jesus Freak, Coke Addict, uh, all around crazy guy. Really, really cool movie, like uh, Solid 7, I would give it on the IMDb scale. And uh, um, yeah, fun watch to everybody, I guess. I'm now uh, switching to uh, uh, Two Guns with, uh, again, Marky Mark, but I maybe... Uh, after watching the first minutes of this, I'm again back into my uh, my uh, Marky Mark hatred. So maybe I cannot stand it, although um, Denzel is in it. Um, went to the cinema, uh, yeah, first time in a long time, and watched The Equalizer with uh, Denzel and really liked it. Um, yeah, although I possibly like the TV show from the 80s still a bit more. Uh, this is a great take on the topic, and uh, yeah, loved it. Good, good action great baddies and especially the main guy who is uh, um, an actor called Martin Chokash I guess who is uh, I saw him a couple of things I think he was in Lord of the Rings in a small role and also was the main baddie in Triple uh, X with Vin Diesel uh, a really great bad guy uh, tons of charisma and uh, just uh, would like to see him in more roles I found he is in a TV show called Klondike which I um I found recently and it's uh, supposed to be released in November here in Germany I have to get it he play, plays like a Mountie kind of guy let's see and uh, finally uh, finished uh, season 3 of uh, Walking Dead and uh, yeah. Lo-Fi Radio uh, started again uh, season 1 I have to say it's a mixed bag uh, some really great uh, episodes and some really boring ones it's a bit sitcom-y a bit, bit like uh, yeah, like uh, too much family kind of thing for me. And to be honest, I was a bit surprised of myself uh, liking at some point a really uh, bad uh, redneck shithead uh, <laughs> played by Mercury Rooker much, much more than all the uh, supposedly f <laughs> yeah good like family-like characters. And uh, Ugh, Michael Rooker's such a piece sign. of shit. I still shit. started the fourth season, and uh, yeah, let's see how far I come. It's possibly not my favorite uh, series, although it's decent in many, many aspects. Yeah, uh, maybe two short questions for the week. Uh, one would be, uh, although I'm pretty sure you answered this in the past, but uh, yeah, maybe it's still interesting. Who's your absolute least favorite actor of all times? So, no, let's say uh, least favorite actor still working today. Mine is uh, easy. I said it already before. It's possibly Marky Mark. <laughs> this Marky Mark thing <laughs> really gives me uh, cramps when I watch my TVs. Like, uh, just terrible. <laughs> and uh, still after so many movies I still don't like them yeah but yeah, what can you do um, 
second question is a more technical thing. Uh, did you ever make a statistics of your ratings over 150 plus episodes so I also uh, would be interested in seeing this if not if there's no statistics available I will maybe create one but this would be more like a long time project uh, listening to all the episodes and uh, finding the ratings and putting them into an excel sheet or something something for the real nerdy uh, lonely guy who knows uh, yeah uh, yeah again thanks for the great episodes and uh, looking forward to hear your um, new episodes and have a great week and uh, talk to you soon uh, good night and bye bye just um, a quick on <laughs> dumbass and really tired uh, of course the last british king uh, or the british king mentioned and uh, Portrayed in the Devil's Horror is not uh, King James the first, but King Charles the first. Charles. Just to be it's precise, that, and yeah. uh, the uh, Devil's Horror is <laughs> basically called. covering the period of the English Civil War, which is a couple of years uh, in the 1640s. Uh, whoever's interested in this, okay. Have a good night. Bye. Um. All right. Least favorite actor. Um. Channing Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> he he has replaced okay shia labeouf in fury was good so okay. it would be the three were Wahlberg, channing tatum shia labeouf shia labeouf can be good he's not a bad actor uh and Wahlberg, i've seen him in movies that i actually like channing tatum i think is fucking horrible i don't care what will says um he is fucking awful <laughs> he's he's just like has a look and that's it he cannot fucking act he's horrible um i know i know i've mentioned it before i'm having trouble even thinking i i've never and this is kind of a weird one i've never liked uh julia styles at all <laughs> like yeah whenever i see her she gets on my nerves um dumb bitch <laughs> Jessica Alba's pretty bad, but at least she's good looking. <laughs> um, who would you rather have sex with, Channing Tatum or Julia Stiles? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't like Angelina Jolie. Um, I really don't like Vince Vaughn. I liked him in that one movie that he was in where he made it, he became a star and he's been annoying ever since. <laughs> and uh, it used to be Will Ferrell was on the shit list for a while, but he redeemed himself and um, Ben Stiller also Seth because Rogen. I, we, and we talked about dodgeball earlier. I fucking hated dodgeball and I hated everything that Ben Stiller was doing, but he's redeemed himself too. So. Dodgeball. so maybe it was good. I just didn't see it. All. <laughs> <That> was <so laughs> Wasn't Vince Vaughn in that right. too? Yes, yeah, he was. Yes, he was. Yeah. yeah. Turd. Dumb fuck. Um, all right. So uh, that was all of – no. What was his other question? Um, if we made a list of statistics. Oh, okay. The list is uh, – it, it's, it's, it's lazily pieced together. Now, I'd have to find it. Um silverandgold.com slash ratings, maybe? 
No. I started a site with a kind of an interactive table where you could sort by year and stuff like that. And at some point, I stopped filling them in. I'm going to figure out this site. But for the most part, ever since then, the scores have been recorded because whenever I take notes, I put on the notes what each person that was on the show rated the movie. So in theory, they all exist. They have just not been collected yet. So... So, Armin, um, get in touch if you're interested in helping. I'll try to find that website if you want to look at it, too. Um, I've already kind of started it. I just never finished it. So a table exists. It just didn't has, didn't make it much past, like, episode 30 or something. So, um, But the ratings Ooh. exist in some way for the most part since then. Because I actually went back, because I didn't do that originally. I actually went back and, and started. Um, whoa. If Siri just started talking by herself. Um, and I just started I, – I, I went back and actually listened to episodes to get originally create that table. And then after that point, I started actually writing the – the because uh, I, I, I keep the notes digitally. I, I, I keep a pages document. So, so yes, th- for the most part, the scores do exist. They're just not collected yet. All right, so you have some questions. I have some questions. Um Oh, let's see here. Rob would like to know which we prefer, Starsky and Hutch or Miami Vice? I never watched either, huh? really. Um, Starsky and Hutch was too uh, – that one came – I was not old enough to watch that one, so I would have had to catch it in reruns and the Ben Stiller movie <laughs> sucked cock. Um, so I guess I'll go – I guess I'll go – Miami Vice because that's the only one I'm familiar and more I'm more familiar with that. I watched both. Um, wait a minute. <laughs> Pumpkin seed. Yep. Um, I would say Starsky and Hutch. That was like my favorite show at that time, and um, mm-hmm. we used to play Starsky and Hutch. And nice. Tubbs just was a non-factor, and I think Crockett got a little too big for his britches. <laughs> I don't know. And I did. I, okay, that's about it. Um, John would like to know: Should I shave or cut my hair? So is this? Uh, is he asking? Should he leave it long or get rid of it? Or is he asking? Is he going to cut it? And he's asking if he should cut it or shave. Let's it. go with cut. Cut short or leave long. Um. Well, the dude costume he had was pretty awesome. <laughs> For that alone, I'd say keep it. He worked a long time yeah, on that hair. I agree so. too. I don't cut your hair, dude. Dude, save it while keep it while yeah, you have it. Hell yeah. Um, and I guess he's talking about the hair on top of his head. Yeah. Well, the other I get rid of the other one too. Um, so here we we're. <laughs> Justin says, "When is a silver and gold porn parody coming out? Uh, next time I get have a date." What what part am I going to play in that? Um, the uh, the who? gold part. <laughs> okay. Uh, Matsuzaga would like to know, if you could erase the entire filmography of one filmmaker, who would it be and why? <laughs> uh... <laughs> Shit, do you want to answer this one first? Uh, I don't no, know. We're talking about a director? I guess so. Um, Jesus. Oh my god! Whoever made those American Pie fucking movies? Probably, <laughs> I like probably something couple. like that. It's just garbage. Um, 
I would. Shit. Mm. Who made those August Underground movies? That guy from like Pittsburgh. I can't remember his. Oh, I don't. I don't know his name. Let's see. Who directed? Um, who directed the Crank movies? <laughs> <laughs> Probably Jason Statham. <laughs> uh, it's it's Neville Dean and Taylor. Yes, Neville Dean and Taylor. Yeah, I would give it to their shit. That shit. The yeah. guy that did um, August Underground is um, what the fuck's his name? Oh, they did. He did Fred Jonah Vogel. Hicks. That, that shit's. I, I've never. But I will say this: I've never seen it. Uh, Bill from OTC told me not to watch it, but from everything I've heard and everything I've seen, it's just. I mean, if he says it's just complete garbage, it's not even worth wa- looking at. Then yeah, Fred Vogel. But I don't like that American Pie no. shit either. <laughs> I don't like the American Pie. It's just dumb. Uh, let's see. This is from Jim. If you could have any, if you could be any animal you find when you lift up. Wait a minute. He wrote this kind of weird. If you if you could be any animal you find when you lift up rock, what would you be? What else? I mean, what's under a rock? Just bugs, like pill bugs and worms, and um, I'd be I'd be a centipede. They seem to be the king of the yeah. under rock. Probably a worm. Why not? <laughs> I mean, well, if I had a choice, I'd be a centipede. I, I'd probably be a pill bug, yeah. though. Yeah. <laughs> Scary Sherry was a pill bug. It, anyway, um, Michael Bay might get erased. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> this is from Steven. Uh, Werner Herzog, Madman or Genius? And uh, do you prefer his films or yes. his documentaries? Yeah, I think the first quest- answer is yes. He is a madman and a genius. And as far as his films or his documentaries, uh, I'll tell you what. I admire his films because it's always some fucking uh, great – uh, adventure and some great uh, struggle. He'll he'll pick up pick something like uh, uh, one man carries a fucking battleship on his back up a fucking mountain or something, <laughs> which is like impossible. But I really like his documentaries just because I like yeah. hearing him talk. He makes everything interesting and uh, he makes some good shit. His his movies for me are a lot less accessible than his documentaries, yeah. so I will lean towards his documentaries. If I had to choose between, uh, you know, so the what's the one where you know you talked about carrying the boat through the rain, like, you know, car- that if I had to choose between that and say somebody says that or you know, uh, encounters at the end of the world, I'm going to choose the the documentary yeah. every his time. His movies can be kind of a um, slog sometimes. They're slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to be in the mood yeah. for him. Okay, now we have... Who did the date movie? Who did the, the movie movies? The, they they could probably be erased too. Date yeah, movie that and shit. scary movie. Was that even done by the Those same suck. person every time? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from the Questions and Alex uh, post. <laughs> uh, let's see. Do we have to keep doing the show? <laughs> 
Wait, who asked that? What a uh, dick. <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> oh, let's see. This comes from Gronky. Uh, when is Alex going to drop everything and move to Europe? <laughs> Working okay. on it. This is from Corey. Uh, any films you wanted to hate that you just couldn't once you watched them? I try not to go into anything wanting to hate it. Yeah, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Um, you know what? I I going into uh, um, what was it? I didn't hate it. The uh, in the name of the king with Jason Statham. I I, I expected to hate that one, and it was all right. <laughs> Uh, he, I liked that. I liked him in that movie, so he sold it for me. Um, but I, 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 I was ready to hate yeah. that one, and I did not. I usually, if I hate it, I mean, I, I, I can't even think of anything off the top of my head. I mean, like Transformers, I, I thought I would hate that, and I did. Uh, GI Joe, <laughs> I thought I'd hate that, and I did. Yeah, you know. Usually, if I'm, unless we've done it for the show, usually if I think I'm going to hate it, I just don't watch. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. I have been forced to watch shit that I I don't like on this show. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, did, well, there you go. No, I, but I thought I would like that because I like Rutger Hauer and I like maybe you I like the trailer. Uh, the rich now that we've shitted up your shitted up your uh, psyche a little up. bit, maybe. Uh, Let's see. Um, this is from Corey. Sweet or spicy barbecue sauce? Which do you prefer? Um, Some. I gotta go spicy. I gotta go spicy. I, I and I come from an area that has vinegar-based yeah. barbecue sauce too. So. I don't like when he says spicy. I don't like shit that's like super hot. I don't like uh, the taste of like buffalo wing sauce. Oh, I but I, I, I would rather. I mean, I would rather have like a. Uh, yeah, probably probably more sweet. I don't mind a little bit of spiciness, but I don't like hot. And I definitely I come, I come from I come from tangy barbecue I land like, and put some put some like uh, we actually sprinkle some like like peppered vinegar on it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I can eat it, but I you know I don't like anything burning my mouth. This is from Corey. Okay, uh, Robin Hood. Costner, Crow, Elways, or the Fox? <laughs> um, okay, I owned Robin Hood uh, uh, on VHS, so I must have liked Costner at one point. Although I haven't seen it since VHS days, I never saw the Russell Crowe one. Uh, Men in Tights is pretty awesome. Again, I haven't seen it in years though, and the Fox. Eh, not really a Disney guy. I'm going to go Elways. Um, uh, now, I would add, my choice would be one that I add, which would be Errol Sean Finn. Connery uh, in Robin oh. and Marion, which was fucking great. Um, and Robert, I have that. Oh, I Robert Shaw's in that, too. It's so fucking good. Um, but out of the ones that he listed, I hate Kevin Costner. Um, <laughs> I, Crow, I saw that one. I don't remember that much about it. Um so and I don't I think I even saw the one with the fox. So I'd have to go with Carrie Elways because I remember that there was funny. Go. I mean, you know, Mel Brooks. Um, James, bad James, uh, ask how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? And I answer, bad James, a woodchuck could chuck as much wood as a woodchuck could chuck could. 
Six. Do you have an answer? Okay. Six. This is also from Bad James. Uh, if you could go back in time and fix a film you were passionate about upon its release and were left ultimately unhappy about, which film would it be? Uh, bet you can't guess what mine would be. His would probably be Aliens. Yes, aliens. I know how much it's a flawed movie. I would go back and probably fix Prometheus. That's the first one that came to mind. I like the movie, but it is flawed. There are things that need to be tinkered with that could have made it uh, better. Uh, I can see that. So, I mean, that's the first the first one that came to mind even before he said, you know, can you guess what mine is, which would definitely be um, and some of those uh, newer Star Trek, Star not Star Trek, Star Wars movies. Yeah, the Ewok one, the the what I would call the third one, which other people might call the sixth one or whatever. Uh, yeah, I would fix that because I thought it was a turd. Uh, and <laughs> everyone after that, the the prequels. Yes, I I would yeah. The prequels I would definitely change because I was huge Star Wars mark growing yeah. up. Um, that Arnold movie directed by the Korean dude, I would fucking fix the, somehow because I was so disappointed. With Johnny Knoxville, yeah, yeah. God, <laughs> so disappointing. I was so excited for that one. Okay, Andrew asks: Apple, Android, Windows, or whatever the hell new Amazon phone runs on. Uh, I mean, I've only used Apple for the most part. I, I had an old Android phone, and it was a piece of shit. So. But this was six years ago, so I don't, I don't even, I know that Android's changed a lot since then. I've tried to use Android at the yeah. store sometimes when I like try to help somebody like set up email or something, and I'm so used to Apple's operating system now that it's hard for me to get around. Um, the Amazon one seems interesting. I've not used it at all, but it's kind of cool that you can just like use the phone to like scan shit and compare yeah, prices in stores cool. to Amazon. So. I don't know how the operating system works. Well, I have a Motorola Electrify, and I'm happy with it, so I don't really give a shit. Do you know what it does? It does it have its own proprietary operating so. system, or does it? Okay, yeah, I think so, but I, I don't fucking care about that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, which film that shouldn't uh, make you cry actually makes you cry the most? Uh, he said he used to tear up when watching Gerard Butler in. Uh, uh, where when Gerard Butler is about to get filled with arrows in 300 and he's calling out for his wife. I'll tell you what, there was a few things in, uh, well, ah, oh, man. The, I mean, John Wick had something, but it was more of a, yeah, it had some moments in it that were kind of, yeah, there's I, some stuff about loss in that one. It did make me cry, but it kind of made me a little bit emotional. Fury had something too. I would say one that sh- that shouldn't make me cry. Uh, at the end of True Grit, when uh, well, two movies at the end of True Grit and at the end of The Shootist with John Wayne, when John Wayne uh, is rescuing Maddie from the snake bite, and when he at the very end when he says, "Well, come see a fat old man sometime," and he jumps his horse over the fence. Uh, that was kind of just touching to me. And in the shootest, when all the stuff happens in the end, that, that one kind of, when he gives Ronnie Howard the look, uh, and the nod, that one kind of hits me too. I, I don't know if it's supposed to make you cry. I almost, I cry almost every time at the last scene of Unforgiven. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, because, yeah, because like 
he didn't fucking want to do it the whole fucking movie and yeah yeah that that one gets me i don't know if i i don't know if it's supposed to be that but yeah i i've i've gotten teary dodgeball one, made so. me cry because i i was like man i wish i had that seven dollars back <laughs> uh, and i was just trying to kill time before a, a I had a plane that didn't take off for like a, a, so many hours, and I just wanted to kill time, and I couldn't even find a fucking movie that I could sit through. Uh, Corey, let's see. Okay, now. El Goro asked, did either of you watch Lucha Underground and Thoughts? If you did. Um, did you no, watch it? I did not. Um, so that, that's my answer. I watched it. I and watched it. It sucks. Lucha um, shit, I've watched – my sister had – uh, Dish Network or something like that. And I went over to her mm-hmm. house one time. Uh, this was a long time ago. This is when EMLL and uh, 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 AAA were on Dish Network. Some of that shit, it's just, it's so painfully choreographed. Nothing means anything. They don't sell anything. And they're just, they just run and bounce and, and uh, flip flop, not flip flop and fly. That's dirty roads. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's an athletic. I like the idea of it, and I like reading about Lucha Libre and hearing stories yeah. about it. But it, actually watching the matches, it's uh, it's just like a ballet kind of a deal. Um, it okay. The first match was Chavo Guerrero Jr. versus Blue Demon Jr. Right, Chavo Guerrero versus Blue Demon Jr. The problem I have with, and it's very, it was very apparent in this one. These are not filmed live, and the they have way more cameras than I think I've ever seen in a wrestling more program. Than, I mean, even like there, it's like WWF level cameras, but even but more yeah. so. Like there, there's one over the ring, and somebody has gone back, and they uh, these matches they feel essentially clipped. Yeah. Like they get rid of some some. And that's part of wrestling is, you know, when the heel rolls out of the ring and everybody's like, get the fuck back in there, you know, and they've cut this kind of stuff out and it's like, go, go, go. And the match felt like it was like two minutes long. And it wasn't bad what I saw. And then the second match was a dude wrestling a woman, which I'm just not a fan of. Um, Not in that situation. Right. And, and. I like seeing women squeeze guys' heads. (laughs) Right. Right. And. The, the 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 show looks very slick. The the John Morrison or I forgot what they called him now. See now those guys Mundo, like John, John Morrison Mundo. and Chavo Junior. They're not luchadors, so it's it's obviously right. not all lucha leap. It's a it's a hybrid because um and they're they're doing the whole like bad guy owner again. Oh it's a Spanish How guy. How fucking and, old and um, worn out is that? The um. His is like, and it's kind of they're 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 reverent to lucha, um, you know. They've talked they talk about the history and stuff. It's produced like a sitcom, like not a sitcom. It's produced like a television yeah. show, not a sports show. So it's kind of weird. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm, I'll go back to it. The last match was fine. Again, it felt clipped at times, just why they, the way they edit it after the fact. Um, it's got a different. It's definitely got a unique look to it. It's got a. It's got Robert Rodriguez's fingerprints on. If it, it. had Selma Hayek um, out there with her big tits, God. I would fucking watch it. I'd watch Selma Hayek wrestle Damn. anybody. I'd let her squeeze my head. It's. A, it was a mixed bag. It looked very high quality for a wrestling program. Um, it was like, but at the same time, it was like a mix of high quality and TNA. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the last match was the first two matches were not good. One because it was too short. The second one because it was well, same, it like, was not. Same, it was too TNA short. TNA is not a fucking recommendation. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, I'll go back to it, but it wasn't. It didn't blow okay. me. Okay, this is from uh, Mark, and uh, this is uh, Texas Grudge Match. Grudge Match. Loser leaves town. Atari twenty six hundred or in television. This is for you, obviously, because I don't know and don't fucking care. Uh, I go Atari. I, um, I like the controller. I like the joystick better. I played Atari when it was first came out, and it was just called Atari. <laughs> <laughs> Pac-Man shit. We had a. We didn't have Atari. We had the uh, the Sears uh, video command system, or the the. It was like it was a bootlegged, basically <laughs> Atari. It, it was gigantic and wood panel. It had wood paneling and played. Atari yeah, mine games. had uh, wood paneling on it. I think. I think that I think all the Ataris did, but this one was obviously not an Atari, and it, I think it actually said the word Sears on it somewhere. This is from Carl. What are your favorite cinematic training montages of all time? Training montages. It probably Boyka. I think Boyka train um, and who was uh, Marco Zoror in those movies? I can't remember what his name was. I don't but I liked when he trained either. because his training was sitting under an umbrella in the sun reading a book. <laughs> and he just beat the fuck uh, out of everybody. I like the 36th Chamber, the Gordon Liu training stuff. Um, and I like Rocky Four. Yeah. <laughs> you can't beat that. And Drago. And, I, I, yeah. I, but I will say this: I kind of like um, when Apollo was training. Okay, well, you can't beat Rocky Three because you get Clubber Lang training, which is awesome. Because he's fucking just a, a fucking beast, and he hated everybody. He was mean or shit. And then you had the homoerotic training of Rocky and Apollo. <laughs> so, um, I like. Um, I also like the training that uh, uh, Jean Claude does in both Bloodsport and Kickboxer. There There's some good training going on. Lots of training. Those are the questions for the week. We have to go. nice. All right. So you can always send us f- feedback and questions to 206-339-1600 or silvagoldpodcast at gmail.com and on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash silvaandgold. Find our show on iTunes, on Stitcher Radio, and on our website at silvaandgold.com. Uh, so for next week on the show, Zom wanted to do some sci-fi. So uh, we are going to do a couple... Uh, Kind of, I don't know the word I'm still looking for, but we'll say metaphysical sci-fi movies. We're going to do, you know, d- exploring your identity in space. We're going to do Moon from 2009. What? what? And Steven Soderbergh's take on Solaris from 2002. So that should be fun. I, Solaris was at one time up near the my favorite movie ever, so it's been years and years since I've seen it, so we'll see how it This holds is up. our second Rockwell Clooney venture. Yeah. Um so no, 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 okay, before I haven't even watched Moon, but before we even before I even watch it, can you give me an alert? Does Sam Rockwell show his big butt? <laughs> I don't think there's nudity. Oh well shit. I cannot remember. What's the re- what's the, what would be the purpose of having that bubble butt in a movie without showing it? That'd be like having a Nina Hartley movie and you don't show any any butt. 
no hands. He curtains. is the Nina, Nina Hartley of uh, uh, of, of, of dudes. <laughs> I don't remember the. I don't remember seeing his ass in this movie. I think he wears his jumpsuit yeah, we'll the whole see. movie. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Um, and that's it for the show. So, um, yeah. So yeah, we'll be next. We'll be back next time with cleft chins and bubble butts. <laughs> I don't. I think we might have missed your movie. I'm well, sorry. can you I make it to ten minutes? And okay. or if All I, right. you know, if they have a late one up in, uh, I'll have to drive all the way from the We'll be all right. Yeah. All right. Until next time. This is a loaf. And Oops. this is the Zomster from 